Hello, everyone. Welcome to Totally Reprise was always cool. And we are driving out of the Pacific Northwest and... Gee golly, we're in Hollywood. And I'm here with my friend and yours, Molly. Yep, that's how you do it. Uh, that's me, yep, Molly. Yep, that's how I usually do it. Yep. yep. Uh, we got Luke like with I us. It's like I switched it. It's like you switched it. My I God. sure do appreciate the two of you coming out here to record a podcast with me tonight. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, why are you wearing that cowboy hat, Luke? Well, because I'm the cowboy. Well, asked and answered, I suppose. You'll see me one more time if this is a good podcast, and two more times if it's a bad podcast. <laughs> I'll clap one more time if this is a... <laughs> If this is a good intro... <laughs> <laughs> You'll hear this voice three more times. <laughs> oh, you don't want to know what happens if you hear this voice three times. Yeah. <laughs> um, great. We watched Mulholland Drive. Luke, what'd you do this week besides watch Mulholland Drive? What did I do besides? Uh, I I finally read the the acclaimed manga of Chained Sawman. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is pretty good. I like it when he saws people. He does do that. I have also started reading Chainsaw Man because at this point, I, it's impossible to dodge spoilers. It, they're just everywhere. So yeah, I'll I'll also say like if you've watched a anime before, you know the plot of it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not stupid. I yeah. I understand what's happening here. Right. Uh, but no, it's just a guy who's got a little chainsaw devil buddy that he uses to kill devils with. To pay back his dad's mafia debts, but oh dang, he gets killed. Hate it when that happens. Yeah, but then the little little dog, little chainsaw dog, gives up its life to bring him back to life, and now he can turn into a chainsaw monster. I really was not expecting the dog to go away in chapter one, given how much art I have seen of this dog. Yeah, they really get rid of that dog fast. It yeah, it's really fast. Yeah. I do like that he gets a little like uh, chainsaw like pull. I don't know what you call those. Like the like when you the thing you pull, pull to cord. start a motor. The pull, yeah, the pull cord. Yeah, pull cord. There you go. I was gonna say drawstring, but that's not quite right. Yeah, like that's that's how he transforms. That's that's neat. That's pretty uh, sick. I won't lie to you. It's pretty. I like sick. that all the devils are based on like a thing. Like at the start, he's just killing like the sea cucumber devil, yep. and like they just work up to like more and more like. Scary concepts, and that makes stronger devils, because that's scary. Yep. Uh, it's, it's stuff people are scared of. It's stuff people are scared of. It is it is kind of just Jujutsu Kaisen, but the main guy is a lot hornier. Yeah. It's a lot. That, that's what I know mostly of Chainsaw Man, is that everyone I know is horny for it. Well, okay, so... Um, <laughs> What we're saying is the main boy, Denji, his main, uh, for the first 10, 12 chapters, his main motivation for doing chainsaw stuff is he wants to touch boobs. Yes. Like, literally, that is his textual His whole thing uh, is that until we meet him and he gets his chainsaw powers, his life is shit. Yeah, it is. Because he's got this, yeah, it's, it's horrible. Uh, like, he lives in, like, a rundown shack in the middle of nowhere, and he just has to spend all day, every day, working to pay off his dad's, uh, debts. And, like, he's selling off organs to try to get it down. Like, I think the first page of the manga is like, okay, well, I got this much for the eye I sold, and this kidney. I sold one of my testicles. That didn't get me as much as I was hoping it would. 
I guess I gotta go kill devils. That's the only way to make any money. Yep. Uh, so then, yeah, now once he has his chainsaw powers and he's kind of free from that obligation, he's like, well, shit, now I can live like a life. What kind of thing should I aspire to? I want to touch a boob. Well, he and also, uh, fairly enough, he is 16. Yes. This is what many boys would like to do at 16 years old. Absolutely. I guess I can't fault him for that. Right. Uh, and then a lot of other stuff starts happening. Yeah. Hey, you know who's good is power. Uh, weed homo. <laughs> I don't know if I should say that on the podcast. It's kind of <laughs> I don't. It's kind of a Olivia joke. I don't want to uh-huh. steal Olivia Valor. Hmm. But that panel edit is so good. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen this panel edit. I need to go look it up. I'm gonna I'm gonna send it to you because yeah, I don't send know it to if me. yeah I'll I'll yeah. send it to you later. I okay. don't know if I have it immediately in front of me, but I know where I could get it. No, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, yeah, uh, I enjoyed it. It was like you get to the end of part one. I was like, wait, that's the only the end of part one. Kind of felt like you finished the story. Okay, and then it keeps only, going. Yeah, they like just started part two, uh, which is you know. I'm not going to talk about it because you're not caught up to that yet, Molly, right? Sure, shit, I'm not. I've read 32 chapters since yesterday. Yeah. So I'm 32 chapters in. Different things start happening. Yeah, some stuff is happening. Um, I'm going to read more. I'm I'm not, like, my plan is, since I've mentioned it here, by the time this episode comes out, ideally, I will have caught up on Chainsaw Man. (laughs) Sure. So that I can talk about Chainsaw Man when people who's like who's getting fought right now where you're at. Um, they are they are only just they did. Okay, they the gun part where a lot of people got shot started happening. Okay, and it's like the immediate aftermath of that where they're doing a little training arc. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 With the drunk guy. Yes. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a fun bit. Yeah, it's pretty fun so far. I, I, yeah. I'm enjoying it. Uh, so far, I've mostly been like, yeah, this is another one of these. Yeah, yeah. It, so, it excited to see how it develops, yeah. I, I would say it's kind of another one of those, but I like the, the flavor of it. I'm sending you the Weed Homo panel. Fantastic. Let's take a look at this. It's it's still going, so bear, oh, bear with... Okay, there it goes. Okay, yeah, I just got a ding on my phone. Let me navigate to Twitter.com. Gonna pull up my DMs with my good friend Molly. Oh, I see. Yes. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. Actually, I didn't send it to you because I don't think you care about Chainsaw Man. Not really. I I read, like, the first chapter or two, and it was like, I get what this is, and I don't don't think it's for me. I don't really uh, think of you as a shonen person. Not really. I, you know, was a shonen person, like, we've, at the we've peak all of... Yeah. Uh, but, like, I think it says something that my shonen of choice was, like, Shaman King and not Naruto or... Oh, sure. <laughs> I mean, Shaman King did rip, though. I never watched it Shaman King. It did rip, but, like, it's just... It's got a different vibe and, like, it yeah, was it also... Does. Not as popular, so it, there wasn't as much of it. Right. And I, I could I more easily fall off of it. Yeah. I thought the snowboard kid was the coolest kid in the fucking world. Pretty I'm still right. Cool. <laughs> I'm still right. <laughs> They're all basically just uh, virtuoso Eidolon users when you really think about it. Sure. They are. 
Uh, yeah, Luke, did you do anything besides read Chainsawed Man? Eh, not really. Fair enough. Uh, Ashley, what'd you do? Uh, I didn't do a lot, except I did watch wrestling in, in the real world. Oh, right. I was like, what fucking show was on? But then I remember <laughs> that you went to a show. Yes. I was busy uh, I in went... a pit that night, so I don't remember. No, yes, yes, yes. Wait, no, you were watching Mulholland Drive that night, because my Twitter feed was just interleaves, interleaving posts of Ashley posting about wrestling and you posting about Mulholland Drive. Well, I was also in a Dragon Age Inquisition pit, unfortunately. I see, okay. Previous to watching Mulholland Drive. But Ashley, go ahead, how was wrestling? Uh, wrestling, I had a lot, a lot of fun with it. Uh, I mainly went to go see uh, a dude named Eddie Kingston... That's fucking right. Who, yeah, I truly believe one of the, one of the best uh, wrestlers right now. Perhaps to ever do it. Yeah, just again, extremely weird that like everyone has kind of agreed that he is like one of the best. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, because he is like this old dude who. Like, you know, old for a wrestler. Right. Yeah. He's, he's in his 40s, right? Yeah. Pretty old for a wrestler. I mean, not for, like, a WWE guy, but... Yeah. That's that's not supposed to happen. Yeah, and he's not supposed to, like, get his break at 40. Yeah, no. Uh, and, yeah, he was just a guy that I always see on the indies, and I thought was, like, oh, he's, like, got a cool look to him, and he's interesting. And yeah, he just kind of was blown up in the last couple of years, and he was in Seattle, and that was really good. Uh, he tried to kill several men. Yeah, I love uh, that. By That's entertaining. Throwing them off of balconies and throwing tables at them. Mm. That's what you uh, paid to and see. And then also, yeah. Uh, and then also, I watched. Uh, the, they had their kind of homecoming king, who had just won a big title in AEW. Uh, Swerve Strickland. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Oh, cool. He's very good. My friend was very tired, so she had to leave before the main event. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I get. It, it, especially if you're just getting the general admission seats, you're just standing for, like, two hours. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a good show. You can fit more guys in there if you're all standing. Yes, that's true. I don't know if that's true with COVID anymore, but um, it's probably still true. Actually, now I think about it, probably still. Yeah. Uh, they also, uh, I think his name is like Kinsuke Takashida. He's like a Japanese guy who's kind of having his excursion that they will always have uh, out in America right now. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and that guy's great because he just loves Cinnabon now. Oh, nice. Good for him. And yeah, like every time he was like, he was like, I, I wrestled good, and now tomorrow I will get Cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm happy for him, I guess. And like, yeah, like, good, good for you, dude. <laughs> uh, but yeah. That's it. I, you know, watched my Hall and Drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then listen to some podcasts about Mulholland Drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been like, we all watch it like over the weekend and been like, ah, ah, we need to talk about this movie. We can't yet. Shit. 
I'm not allowed to. Okay, but just one thing real quick. Nope. Yeah. Except then we did. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. You know. Hey, we can rehash those conversations. No one heard them. <laughs> That's so true. Um, I have been playing Dragon Age Inquisition. Congratulations. It's a video game. Uh-huh, I've heard I've, of it. I've come around to being at the part where the like part where I'm playing the video game's fine. Right. Like the part where I'm doing combat is okay. And yeah. I like casting the spells. Sure, who doesn't? I have I right, yeah, I have a cool ghost sword now, so yeah, extremely who doesn't. Um and then uh every time somebody who is not named like Cole or Iron Bull opens their mouth, I just want to turn it off. I just want to throw my Xbox out the window. Yeah. It's it's so bad. Some of those uh option like uh re- like reply options were just really bad. It's dire in here. Yeah. I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into it cuz the reply options are right. literally what the other podcast is about. Right. You, know? you can't burn that pod over here. I can't I'm not going to burn that pod on this podcast. Uh even though Nora will bring her own stuff to it obviously, but Right. Um Yeah, I it is um I I get why people like it. I do. I see I see the parts. I understand what's happening here. I'm too grumpy a communist for this shit, but that's <laughs> you know that's fine, right? Like, right. I, I get it. I I understand this game was not made with me in mind. No, no. But it really is like the second game where they're like, okay, I I need to convince you that our fake fantasy Islam is really bad. And yeah. it's like, well, I don't know why you keep pushing this because it's not clearly, right. but. Uh, they sure want you to believe that. Uh, I, I have not. I played a little bit of Dragon Age One, and I've just listened to conversations about the other ones. Yeah. Uh, fake fantasy Islam. Are you talking about the the Kun Kunari, whatever it is? Yeah, the Kunari. The Kwan. The Kwan. Uh, it's it's it, the Kun. I think. The Kun. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Maybe with a little less with a little less sauce on it than I gave uh-huh. it, but. Uh huh. Uh, the impression I get is that it's kind of just a stand-in for whatever whoever's writing that quest doesn't like. Yeah, it in Dragon Age Two, it is uh, it is either communism or Islam, right. depending on like which quest you're doing. And okay. you know, you can take that to mean like it's kind of both, and that's fine. You know, sure, you can, yeah, yeah. You can make communist well, Islam guys. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But yeah, it, it Dragon Age Two. Um, when did that game... I think it was 2012? It sounds about no, right. No, that can't be right. 2011? 2011. Um, because uh, Mass Effect 3 was 2012. Right. Or something. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, Dragon Age 2 is the most post-9-11 game that has ever been made, which is incredible <laughs> because it came out 10 years after 9-11. decade after, yeah. Yeah. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. And that like, game that's, is kind of just a game about just... fantasy 9-11, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is literally about doing a fantasy 911. Yeah. It it yeah, it, man, now that you said that, it really is about doing <laughs> fantasy 911. I didn't think about it in that sense. Cuz they like, blow up a tower, right? That's the big thing. Yeah, they blow up a big church tower. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a guy from the Islam that does it though. Mm, okay. That might have been a little too incendiary, but it is the gay analog that does it. So, you know, right, take right. that take that as you will. <laughs> Gay nine eleven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gay nine eleven. Um, and then uh, I watched a movie. Oh, really? 
I did. I watched I watched a film called Manhunter. Oh, sure. Uh, it's pretty fucking good. I don't know what to tell you. It's Manhunter. F- I watched about- it because a lot of people I know say, uh, yeah, it's fucking Manhunter. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll find out what that is. Film, and then film it, you Hannibal found out Lecter. that it's fucking Manhunter. It is one. It is about the Manhunter. Yes, uh, yeah. and yes, two. It is a film about Hannibal Lecter, but not really. Yeah. Sure, he's just kind of there. He's just a guy. Right. I I have not seen Manhunter. I assumed he was the man getting hunted. No, he's just a guy who's already in jail. Oh really? Yeah, that, oh okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that. No, it kind of shreds, Luke. <laughs> right. No, I mean yeah. <laughs> Like, that's also it the is, setup in fucking Silence of the Lambs, so I didn't realize they... Okay, yeah. Yeah, the the setup is... I can't even remember the guy's name. Uh, the, the main guy from Manhunter. Could not tell you what his name was. Yeah. Uh, Will Graham. Will Graham, thank you. Uh, yeah, so he... I saw enough art on Tumblr of his dick that some part <laughs> of me remembers his name. That's fair. <laughs> um... The, the plot of the movie is this takes place, this is literally after, I think it's the first case he would get after catching Hannibal Lecter. Okay. Uh, because he inhabited the Hannibal Lecter mind frame such that uh, he went to, like, therapy to get him out of it and quit doing manhunting. Um, but, you know, he's got to come back for one more job because people keep getting killed and it's a, it's a guy who operates on a lunar cycle and... Uh, the the next full moon's coming up in like three weeks. We gotta catch him before he strikes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So he so he you know gets gets back into it and he promises his wife he's not even gonna get, get that close. And then you know what he immediately does is he goes to the crime scene. Well, because so, <laughs> because there's nothing cops love more than lying to their wife. Um. <laughs> anyway, it's pretty sick. Yeah. Cool. Cool movie. Uh, there's there's an incredible sequence where they uh, find a note because the um, the new serial killer likes Hannibal Lecter and like sends him a note written oh, sure. on toilet paper to Hannibal Lecter and they don't know how it got in his cell right. but they like were doing some kind of search of the cell and they don't want Hannibal Lecter to know that he found that um, so they have like three hours before he gets suspicious. Uh, of being out of the cell, and they have to run all these fucking tests on the toilet paper. Uh huh. Uh huh. This sounds it's pretty fu- good. It's fucking incredible. I c- can't recommend it enough. We had a great time. Um. So yeah, it it is. It's to cinema. You know, it's to cinema. Pe- people told me it was. You know what? They were right. Um. I'm checking the runtime so I can tell you the runtime because I care about things like that. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, coming in. It's a full 120. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a full two hours. It w- felt a little long, but it was worth it. It was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and a guy gets set on fire at one point, so that's cool. Hey! Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, it's great when a guy g- gets set on fire, and then it cuts away for a second, and then cuts back to him, and he's, like, a totally different dude. <laughs> no, it cuts away when he's not on fire, and then the next time you see him, he's on fire in a wheelchair being thrown down a ramp. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Okay, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it. I, that's that's the stuff I did, is I watched one movie. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm slowly becoming a movies guy. You are s- slowly undergoing the transformation Ashley's been waiting on for years. For years. I, I never dare dream. 
<laughs> you shouldn't. I don't know how often this is going to happen. No, but, yeah. But um, uh, on Friday... I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just having a good time hearing you talk about movies until eventually it goes away. Right. If uh, it ever does, yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I'm not against it at this point. Uh, I, it helps that I was extremely high on Friday night, and I'm like, well, I'm not coordinated enough to play a video game right now, but I could watch a movie. <laughs> Which I think is how a lot of people end up watching movies, now that I think about it. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, not not the video game part, just being high and like, damn, I could watch a movie right now. Right. Anyway, um, that's that's what I, I did. Uh, in a lot of, you know, I was like, talked about it earlier, I was listening to several podcasts about Mulholland Drive, uh, and a lot of times people would go like, man... It's so fun to like watch this movie high, and I'm like, like, I cannot. I would have a, I would have a panic attack probably. I mean, I feel like it would be I, fun to watch this movie high as long as you turn it off when it gets scary. <laughs> it's not, it's not that scary. No, like, but like you know, like the club scene is a little like, pretty. I, it, it's a little creepy. To me, it oh. would be the paranoia. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't get that paranoid when I'm high. I don't know what to tell you. I got the the one time I got very high. I got very yeah. It hasn't uh, worked out for you or Chris at all. No, I've never gotten high before, which is fine. More weed for me. I'm like not opposed to it. Just the opportunities never arisen. You live in Texas. Yeah, I don't know what that means. It's, it's not going to help you there. Nobody's going to let you get high in Texas. Right, that's true. There is. I don't know. There's a CBD place down the street. Ain't that the same thing? No. No. Okay. All right. No, that, no, that yeah, you it. need to get some dad weed. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Your dad does not have weed. Absolutely not. Are you kidding no, me? No. There's a there is a brand that I advertise on some podcast called Dad Weed. Oh, oh my no, god. I have yes. Okay. Where it's like, oh, it'll get you high, but you got a child you have to care for, so not too high. What the fuck? Yeah. yeah, Like, you got work in the morning. You don't need to let this get out of control. They gentrified mids? <laughs> yeah, they did. They did. They did. Jesus, okay. Well, uh, do you guys want to talk about Mulholland Drive instead hey, of this? God, yes. We can talk about the film Mulholland Drive, directed <laughs> by some guy named David Lynch. I don't know who that is. Could you no, tell No, never me? heard of him. I only. I wish Gordon Cole was in this movie. Man, for <laughs> he should just be one of the people in the chain of like telephone calls happening. Yeah, he should just be one of the guys who gets the call from the from the evil Hollywood man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, you're hundred yep. percent right. No, yeah, that that'd be perfect. Uh, Wouldn't make yeah. any fucking sense, but yeah, no, that's true. Um, a Holland Drive. This movie came out what 2001, I think. That sounds right. Sure yes. Uh, speaking of 9/11, <laughs> premiered mere weeks afterward. Damn. So we all had that on our minds when we went to the theater to see this. Oh yeah. Well, also I this movie only had like a 200 to like. 350 theater run. Okay. Yeah, so it was it not was, It was not big. It was, it was... They had a bigger run in Canada, weirdly enough. Uh-huh. But, yeah, not a lot of stuff happening in I, yeah, a lot of, America. A lot, um, lot of Canada content in this movie, such as Canada getting mentioned, like, twice. Yeah, I was gonna say. 
<laughs> Betty's from Canada. Betty's from Canada. Yeah, they, they, there's not a lot of evil Canada. They... <laughs> No, Canada seems to be a bastion of goodness in this film, which is a yeah, big we've, turnaround we've, from David Lynch's previous works. <laughs> we've disappeared into the box and come out in an alternate reality where Canada's the good place. Yeah. And ho- you may not hear... This is going to be a big surprise for a lot of people, yeah. but Hollywood maybe not all it's cracked up to be. I, I hear that it's full of phonies. I do hear like it's, it's all that fake. it's full of phonies. It's full of a bunch of phonies going around... Constructing alternate realities in which the person that they hate is actually like a different person, and then they're cool, and, and then that's... straight. So you want to kill them? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, uh, I think the first time I heard about this movie because I was like ten when it came out was uh, on like the Pojo Pokemon card message boards of just like oh, a certain, what like. Presumably fellow teenagers just in, like, the off-topic part of the forum trying to suss out what the fuck this movie's about. (laughs) I bet they got really far. And I was like, I don't know what movie you guys are talking about. It sounds weird. Anyway, time to click over to the Yu-Gi-Oh thread. (laughs) Jesus. I gotta gotta get out of this Pokemon shit. This sounds crazy. (laughs) You guys are are nerds. Uh, Bro, Ashkashim, you got yourself in a mess. I hung out on the Pojo (laughs) forums a lot as a kid. I don't even know what the Pojo forums are, so that's okay. Well, it stands for Pokemon Dojo. It was a big, like, Pokemon TCG website. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did not ever play the Pokemon trading card game. I was there for the Yu-Gi-Oh! subforum. I wanted to play the Pokemon trading card game, but I also I was eight years old, so I didn't know how cards worked. My girlfriend in high school was one of the best players in the country. (laughs) Damn. And, And she was ranked immediately behind her dad. <laughs> Brutal, devastating. <laughs> if I remember I, right, she was number nine, and his her dad was number eight. Ashley, what were you gonna say? Uh, I was saying I didn't play the card game of Pokemon a lot, but I did play the video game Pokemon card game. Yo, yeah, yes, oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, classic of all time, yeah. Um, but no, the first time I actually saw this movie was like, I don't know, six years ago, something like that. I was at home at night and I was still living with my parents at that point. And I was just kind of doing something in my room. And my dad just kind of opens the door and says, hey, I need your help with something. I just watched this movie and I need you to come in here with me and watch it with me while I rewatch it so you can explain it to me. (laughs) I'm sorry, you were what age? <laughs> like twenty five. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said six years ago. Sorry, I just lost the plot. That's all. Yeah. No, so I was like, uh, yeah, sure, okay. And Luke, I just saw some lesbians, and I don't think I understand what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so you tell me that these girls can kiss each other? Uh huh. Yeah. I just, I love that move from my dad of just like, okay, I just watched this. I think that's a good movie, but I don't understand it at all. Can you please come in here and help me understand it? <laughs> that's fair. You know what? I respect for you know asking yeah. for help. Honestly, yeah. The, one of the better ways he's gone about that. The other, the only other thing like that I can think of with him, he's got like uh, a a longtime friend who we basically just call like an uncle or whatever, of uh, like my uncle yeah. or whatever, and. Uh, Every time he comes up, my dad's like, oh, right. Whenever you see him again, you got to explain to him uh, the plot of Inception because he doesn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. I have not met this man for like 
10 years at this point, but oh, every man. time his name comes up, my dad's like, remember, the next time you see him, you gotta explain Inception to him. That's a thing that David Lynch would tell you to do for someone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, I don't know. I Other than the part where it was sort of awkward watching the uh, explicit sex scenes next to my dad, I had a good time watching it. It's, um, I, I feel like I'm willing to say it's a pretty good film. I like it. I will say I would have called this, like, one of my films of all time, like, a week ago. Uh, a year or two ago, I probably would have told you, oh, yeah, no, it's better than Firewalk With Me, and it's not close. Like, Firewalk With Me is okay. This movie is, like, perfect. And now I've watched it this time, and I was like, I don't know why I thought that. Yeah, that's fair. I think this movie's... I still had a lot of fun watching it. I think it's good. It's not yeah. Firewalk With Me good, though. No, Firewalk With Me is uh, pretty fucking good. It helps that we talked about it a lot. We did talk about it a lot. Uh, yes. And that we have been uh, deep in the Twin Peaks minds, so... Yeah. Yeah, and, like, the thing we've been talking about a lot in the past couple days is, like, okay, why is this the one everyone says is, like, oh, David Lynch's masterpiece? Like, he finally did it. He made it. When Firewalk With Me was, like, just shrugged off as a turd. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't get it. it I don't know. Yeah, I... I think I am probably the lowest on this movie. Yeah, I, you, I think, are skewing negative on it, yeah? I'm skewing negative, yeah. definitely. There's stuff I like in it, but I'm more negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris was like, Ashley's not going to like this movie. And I was like, I have no idea what to make of this movie, so I cannot tell. <laughs> right, right. Uh, that's interesting that she thought that she knew I wouldn't like it. Well, I mean, you also huh. said in advance, I don't think I'm going to like this movie. <laughs> yeah, well, so I... I don't think Chris knew that. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that I, I sat down, like, really wanting to like it. Sure. Uh, because I was like, you know what? That was like, it, I, it was a, been like a decade. I've seen a David Lynch thing that was not Twin Peaks related. Mm -hmm. I, you know, have changed obviously a lot in that decade. Right. So yeah. had you seen it I mean, before? I had, I had it. Okay. I'd previously seen Eraser. I'd seen a scene from this. Okay. As part of like someone showing it in film school, which, you know. Sure. Is a common occurrence, and also taking a lot any scene out of this movie from out of context. Right. It, it's not like I'm going to get spoiled. On. No. Uh, and, I yeah, I saw Lost Highway, which I remember I really not liking. Uh huh. And Eraserhead, which I thought was interesting, but not like a one I would rewatch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, but I, I was going to say is, you know, in the, like, in just a podcast I listened to today of like the, uh, evolution of horror, which there's a lot of horror stuff around this movie, which me and Molly were arguing if it is a horror movie at all. I think it's got horror moments, but I would not say it's a horror movie. I don't think it's a yeah. horror movie. Well, the thing was, I was like, why is a horror podcast covering this and you were like well and I was like I don't know whatever yeah uh but like 
I, I wanted to get other people's opinions because, Definitely. you know, even if you guys are higher on it me, we're all kind of, you like you said, we're all kind of confused that people are like, well, of course, his masterpiece. Yeah, I don't, I just don't get why this one landed in a way that the other ones don't, just because I don't feel like it is that different than anything else he's done. I don't know why, yep. what, what made this one hit. Yeah, like, and it, it, I feel like it must just be, like, some elements of, like, time and, like, culture of that time, like, period. Yeah. Uh, because, like, also, I like, Roger Ebert reviews, like, oh, this is the first movie where all the symbolism actually means something. Yeah, I was reading Roger what Ebert's review for it, and he was like, yeah. uh, you know what, this movie was so good that I'll forgive David Lynch for all those other shitty movies he's made. <laughs> I, yeah, he does not like David Lynch. Yeah, I guess this is just yeah. the one that just hits for people, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah. I also well, think like it, part of it is is it acceptable to kill queer people. Sure. I yeah, I could see that. Um I also think part of it is that like I, I said this to you guys, like, even though this movie is kind of uh it it doesn't really tell you exactly what it's doing, but you can rewatch it and talk it through and like solve it, kind of, or at least solve a version of it, you can feel like, ah, I understand Mulholland Drive now. We're like, you, you can't, like, solve Firewalk with me, because it's just like, hey, this girl went through a lot of horrible shit, and then she died, and that really sucks. Let's watch right, it. Right, there's you know? nothing to solve. There's nothing to solve, yeah. Whereas this yeah. movie has, like, clues, and, like, encourages you to think through, like, wait, okay, what's the relationship between Diane and Betty, and, like, how is, you know, what what does the box mean? And, like... I think most of that is pretty easy to suss out if you, you know, pay attention or think about it or whatever. But I do think it, it leads to that, like, you know, it, it scratches an itch in your it, brain. Where you're like, ah, yes, okay. Yeah, a lot of, you know, people, it, it is a very early, like, the kind of movie that people who make YouTube videos about solving things. Totally, like. yes, yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, those people existed before YouTube. Right. Uh, but they would just talk about it with, you know, on, like, Usenet forums or with their friends. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, after watching this movie, I kind of just became entranced with what people see in this movie, because I just saw so little of that. Mm-hmm. And even a lot of the scenes that I really like in this yeah. uh, are, like, tinged with stuff that makes me go, like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, that is hard for me to be, like, ah, yeah, like, oh, like, but, like, if I just take this in isolation. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I really like kind of the vibe of this movie. I think it is just, like Firewalk With Me, I think it's a very watchable movie. I just kind of, like, tune into it when I'm watching it and just kind of enjoy, like, going from scene to scene and getting all the the different, like, vignettes that sort of start to add up into the narrative. I like the weird moves it makes during, like, the twist, basically, and all the... As I said, I love Aroxas, and this movie's got Aroxas in it, so I'm on board. Yeah, that's um, true. She is Aroxas. She's she is Aroxas, uh, dreaming about being a Sora. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> the thing that kind of hit me on this watch, and especially watching it so close to Firewalk, is like 
once you tease out all of the things it's doing and sort of interpret it and get like, okay, I have a handle on what the narrative of this is, kind of. It's not that interesting of a story. It's kind of... The the feeling I came away with this time is it's kind of a boring story told really, really well. But, like, I don't know, when the core of it is just kind of like, oh, two people were shitty to each other, but one was so shitty that the other one died, and then she died too, and then the end. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's just not as interesting of a topic as Firewalk with me, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't think you're wrong about that. Uh, I I like... what you said, Molly, to me after I kind of watched it. What did I say? I don't remember. Where you're like, I've I've been thinking about that movie, and like you know, it I I kind of just came away with like I started thinking like, yeah, it was good, but why? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's hard. Uh, I I don't know if I even have an answer yet, but. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I did have a good time watching it. That's yeah. that much is true. That much is absolutely true for me. Yes. Uh, yeah, like I'm a little muted on it this time mostly because before I watched it a few days ago, I would have called this movie an 11 out of 10 and now I'm like, it's like an 8. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So like because of the direction my opinion has gone, I'm a little more negative sounding than I mean to be. Yeah. Uh but that's fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've mentioned it before, this started out as they were like, hey, what if we did a spinoff about Audrey from Twin Peaks moving to Hollywood, which, imagine if it was fucking Sherilyn Fenn in the Naomi Watts role. That'd be a completely different thing. That'd be a way different thing. Yeah. My god. Yeah, the the role of, and you know, obviously it's because he, you know, they didn't cast her, and so he's not writing for her. He's just writing some... Right, I mean, you know, also, uh, yeah, it took, like, seven, eight years for that idea to materialize. Obviously, it's going to change over that time. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I saw something where she was still kind of like, oh, yeah, that was supposed to be my movie. <laughs> <laughs> that does seem to be the, the attitude she takes in every interview. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, well... <laughs> <laughs> Seems like you balked for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, also, I don't know if it would have, you know, worked with you. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it would have been your movie. Yeah. So to speak. I did also read a Mark Frost quote. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was like, yeah, me and David were batting that idea around for a bit. It just kind of never got off the ground. And also, I kind of needed a break from working with David. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. Uh, He he does seem like a very intense person. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, again, I think... think as Twin Peaks was ending, everyone kind of had a bad taste in their mouth about it. Yeah. I, yeah. I also just, I just picture uh, Mark Frost, like, being in bed and getting a phone call right on his bedside table and just, like, rolling over. Uh-huh. And it's, it's just like, I got five Woody dolls. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta come see these. <laughs> God damn it, David, not again. I took the day off so I could play Assassin's Creed. Uh. Uh, But yeah, so this started off as a TV show. Uh, They shot a pilot for ABC. And uh, I think both David Lynch and Naomi Watts have talked about, like, very unhappy about how that went. Because they're like, okay, 
the, the, the network approved the script, and then we shot the script that we approved, and then they didn't like it all of a sudden, even though it's exactly what they told us we could make. <laughs> all right, guys, right. fuck you too, I guess. Yeah, thanks, assholes. Yeah. Uh, I also, like, have heard that, like, the, the way that he got the, like, the sign-off is he just pitched the opening of this, like, the opening of this movie. Yeah, uh, and, you if know. I remember the pitch was like, oh, there's a woman who, like, you know, yeah, gets in a car crash, has amnesia, and in her purse she's got $50,000 and a blue key. Yeah, and they're like, soul! Yeah. Um... You can actually watch the uh, the pilot of this, like, the the version of this that was a TV pilot on YouTube. Uh, wow. I d- yeah, I didn't actually, like, sit down and watch the whole thing, but I skimmed through it. It is pretty much the same. Any scene that is, like, foreshadowing the twist isn't there, obviously. Like, the old woman coming to her door and being like, oh, your name's not Betty. Oh, that That's not there. The guy at uh, Winky's uh, seeing the, the monster isn't there. Oh, yeah. Uh... A couple scenes that are, like, longer, shorter, or, like, in a slightly different order. Um, it ends at when... Uh, they find the body, right? They find the body, and they... Like, the last thing we see of them is uh, Rita putting on the blonde wig. And then it cuts from that to the monster holding the blue box. And then you get credits over that. Okay, interesting. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh... Yeah, and, like, also all of, like, the romance at angle between the two of them is... Oh, the romance starts, like, the romance, uh, like, starts in earnest the second, that like, the very first shot after the TV show ends. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, you Which, could maybe say there's a vibe between them before that, but, yeah, like... Yeah, like, you know, and like, in, like, the waiters, waitress scene, but, like... Yeah. It... We'll get into it. Like, the very... That stuff, I think, only feels that way because you know where it goes, you know? Mm. Well, sh- eh, you know. But you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> I, no, I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I, I also just have a tendency to read g- gay women subtext. Actually, sure. you, read, you read about gay shit? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. Fucking weird. That's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I don't know, I guess we should talk about the movie. I, I rented the Criterion version of this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, and there are the, it's like, you know, the director-approved version. Uh, and the only option is play movie. Uh-huh. And there are no scene selections. Yeah, that yep. doesn't surprise me. And it's just, yeah, there's no, like, if you press, like, skip scene... There's none of that. It's just one. There's big one scene, Watch and it's called the Holland Drive. Movie. Yeah. yeah, I made you a film, Ashley. All right. Well, we started <laughs> at a sock hop. Oh, we. I listen. All, all reservations aside, I fucking love how this movie starts. It's goofy as hell. David Lynch has discovered, uh, like Adobe After Effects. <laughs> He's discovered the iPod commercial. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, good get, for him. He's having fun. Yeah, it's just like a purple backdrop of just like the same two or three couples dancing, like overlaid over top of each other. But it's like multiple copies of the same people. Uh, and like some of them are silhouettes that you see other dancers going through. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, they're doing the jitterbug. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, and then over that, you get like this blurry, kind of erratically moving image that slowly kind of comes into focus of uh, Betty with the old couple. We'll see the see her with later, and like a different shot of her like walking up. It looks like she's walking up a stage to like wave or something. Yeah, there, yeah. there's a lot of like over other things, like very blown out characters. Yeah, yeah, with spotlights on them. Yeah. And then it fades from that to a blurry POV shot of somebody in bed, and the camera goes down onto a pillow. Yep. 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 And then who cares about any of that? It's Mulholland Drive. Uh, uh, I had not thought about like that pillow thing the entire time, and then somebody mentioned it. I was like, oh yeah, I guess that is how the movie starts. But yeah, it starts with someone going to sleep. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you get like the title sequence uh, over just a limo driving through the dark. Uh, you get some shots of L.A., the city of dreams. That's right. <laughs> Everyone's as soon favorite as I realized, city. Like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a Hollywood movie. <laughs> I was like, uh, I. <laughs> I don't know if uh, uh, you y'all had seen uh, this. When this movie came out on DVD, it came with like a little insert card that yes, was. Yes, I, uh, I did read about this. Yeah, David Lynch's ten clues to the unlocking this ten thriller. Clues. Oh my god, dude! I'm just wa- just let me watch a fucking movie. Jesus Christ! Number one, pay particular attention to the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Dancing. I think it's the person going to sleep and the fact that like that room is Diane's apartment. All right, yeah, sure. also, the opening is the, the Jitterbug contest that she won. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I didn't put that together. Yeah. Uh, number two, notice the appearances of the red lampshade, which is next we to... Could skip, we could skip this. <laughs> <laughs> number three, can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? I literally don't remember. Uh, it's a Sylvia North story, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway, we can come back to these as they become more relevant. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, they're crucial. How else are we going to unlock this thriller? I, you know, here's here's the thing. I don't really care about unlocking it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I have it pretty, like, the door, the door is mostly open. I got it. <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't think it's that hard to get. Yeah, I, I've not been locked out I, of anything here. I... I, so, I always feel kind of bad when I think this, but I'm like, are, do people just not know how to watch movies? Like, do they just... I think a lot of people come to movies, like, not wanting to work at it. They're just here to be entertained, and, like, when you put something in front of them, we're like, well, you're gonna have to think a little. They're like, well, fuck you then. I have to go think about other shit. I don't want to think right now. And hey, listen, yeah. I'm not saying that in that. a judgy way at all. Like, listen. Uh, yeah. I've been there. I'm Sometimes there you constantly. I, turn your fucking brain off. I've watched all of the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> I, th- I think about Fast and Furious constantly. <laughs> when they, they fucking switch the safes. You, to. <laughs> well, you see, the thing about a street fight is the street always wins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a perfect scene. <laughs> it's a fucking video. Like, he's a fighting game character in that moment. <laughs> That's Def Jam fight for New York to me. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, uh, I want an Arc System Works fighting game that starts with like the title cards are like you think this is a street fight? You're goddamn right it is. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. <laughs> Uh, we have to talk about this movie. Jesus Christ. Yeah, we're talking about this movie. We're going to be no. here for four hours again. We are. Yeah, we are. Probably. We are. Anyway, yeah. Uh, this limo driving down this road uh, has a woman played by Laura Herring, whose name we're never going to know because she's not going to know it for very much longer. Uh, she is uh, like the limo pulls over and she's like, what are you doing? We don't stop here. And the driver pulls a gun on her and they're getting ready to drag her out of the car. Yeah, to we, we kill don't her. stop here. We don't Turns stop out we do. here. Yeah. Uh, but as they're, like, getting ready to kill her, a bunch of rowdy teenagers doing a fucking Happy Days drag race just come barreling in. Yeah, this movie does take place in 2001. It kind of also takes place in, like, the 50s. Yeah, it's 1957 and 2001 at the same time, much like every David Lynch thing. I don't know. I think kids are doing this still. I don't think they're doing it in this specific way. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, we, we were talking about Fast and Furious. I, I don't see a lot of people in, at least when I was around street racers, the, like, two convertibles that, like, people are, like, hanging out the back of. Oh, sure. I guess I just, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I'm just uh. saying I feel like there was, like, a, uh girl with, like, her hair up in a uh, fucking bandana that she pulled down to, like, wave the bandana to start these racers off at the other end of the road that we don't get to see. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that could be true. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so there's a big car wreck. Uh, everybody's dead except for uh, the mysterious woman who hits her head hard and she kind of stumbles out of the wrecked limo and uh, just sort of sees the lights of the city and just wanders towards them. Yeah. 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 Uh, and th- this is, yeah, that's basically, we will not see the supposed, like, main character of this movie until 20 minutes in. Yeah, it'll take a while. Because, uh, yeah, now, yeah, she gets into town, and she is clearly uh, disoriented, but also just sort of fearful. Anytime she sees anybody, she kind of ducks and hides. Uh, she sees a couple people, like, walking down the street and just sort of dives under a bush to hide and then passes out. Yeah, I, I like the uh, shots of the, like, Hollywood, not, like, skyline, I guess, but, like, the... Yeah, it's like the... Just, uh, yeah. The the nighttime shots of, like, L.A. and all that. I think that's all really well shot. It's like a, it's like think, a traffic you know, light shot, right? Like, you're yeah. looking for those lights. Yes. Right, right. Uh, and, you know, the music's great. It's Angelo. Uh, I don't remember how to Angelo say Angelo Badalamenti. Badalamenti. Who's in this movie? Uh, yeah, he is. He's into film. <laughs> we'll talk about that. It's a good fucking scene. Uh, also, yeah, the street she finds herself on is Sunset Boulevard. Do you get it? Because that's another movie about. Yeah, th- that, this movie is pulling a lot from Sunset Boulevard in a lot of ways. Right, which is a movie David Lynch has talked about really liking a lot. It's a movie about, like, an aging actress that gets... I have not seen that movie, so I'm just trying to remember what I know about it. It's like, she gets convinced that she's being put in a movie, but actually it's, like, a con this guy's trying to pull on her, but it ends with her, like, murdering him without realizing it because she's delusional. Yes. And, hey, hey, hold on now. That's starting to sound a little bit like the plot of this movie. Uh, And, you know, it's it's kind of like... 
it's not the first, but it's kind of the er example of, you know, like the the starlet gone bad. Right, right. You know, the, the, the oh, this town will, you know, chew you up and spit you back out. It's that kind of thing. Yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't know it was a movie. I was just like, oh, yeah, that's a street in L.A. Uh-huh. I was like, I mean, oh, it, yeah, check it out. It street is also fine. a street in L.A., like Mulholland Drive. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you where I'm coming from uh, at this, because I didn't yeah. know that that was a movie until I listened to some podcast. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a character named Gordon Cole in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> David! <laughs> David, you son of a bitch! He did it again! Uh, and yeah, then she falls asleep, and we get a quick shot of some cops investigating the scene. Uh, Robert Forster's here. He's good in movies, but he's not in this one, actually. <laughs> he's not in this movie. Nobody in this scene yeah. is in this movie. No. <laughs> I, 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 I imagine these would have been guys who mattered if the series had gotten picked yeah, up, Yeah, like, this right? scene yeah. is longer in the TV pilot version. Yeah. I I like... I, I, I read a thing that tries to give the fact that these guys don't really reappear like deep important meaning it's just not a movie about them (laughs) yeah and like i i talked about this like on twitter a bit ago it's like if i if there's an explanation that is like oh yeah this was like a tv pilot so these guys would have been in the tv show more yeah i i'd just be like yeah so that that (laughs) see yeah i was talking about this with uh uh pris the other day I feel like knowing that almost makes it harder to actually think about this movie because it's so easy to do that, but, like, ah, this is how the movie is. Like, that TV show doesn't yeah, exist. No. Like, the this scene is in this movie and not in a TV show, so you gotta think about it in those terms. But, like, yeah, totally. I keep falling into that trap, too, trying to think about it. I think at the same time, this scene is very much a scene that would have been in a TV show. I don't know if this scene matters very much, uh, no. except for it... I feel like it's a little sinister with the Hollywood thing going on, but they just dropped the Hollywood thing, so... There is definitely an element of, like, oh, the sparkling lights of Hollywood, like, drew her in, and now what'll happen to her? And, like, the cop is kind of, like, clocking that or something, but yeah, like you said, they they don't do that much with that. They don't do that and, much you know, with that, and, like, even there's the, the... There's the pearl earring that, you know, we see her yeah. next... Like, the next time we see her, it's with the pearl earring as, like, the center. Right. Yeah, it's uh, just the thing that I mean is, like, they drop the whole, like, uh, what what is his name? Mr. Roke or something like that? Uh, which or the guy? the guy in the chair? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mr. Roke. I've, yeah. Yeah, they just, like, they just drop that, and that's fine. Right. Uh, but I feel like this ties to that pretty heavily, because they're, they're looking for this girl because she is, like, somebody who's very important to that guy. Clearly. Right, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, the, it's the, not because there was a car accident. It's because they were going to execute this girl because she did something to wrong this man. Right. Yeah, the the Mr. Roke thing seems like the... W- one of the more out-of-place things in this movie. Oh, you think so? I huh, like it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that out-of-place given, like, what happens with Adam. Like, yeah. it's it's the key to that whole plot, right? And that's... It eventually ties back, but not in the way that, like, makes a lot of sense. The thing that bothers me about that strand is that, like, like Firewalk With Me is about two people, but it's also about, like, patriarchy and how, like, American, uh, like, culture enables the kind of abuse happening in that movie. And you can kind of see gestures towards a similar thing in this movie where, like, Hollywood is, like, destroying these women or whatever, 
Except that's not what happens. They destroy each other. And it's like not the shadowy men in dark rooms don't actually do anything bad to anybody other than the director. You know what I mean? Well, yes, but did that drive them to this in that way? Yeah, you know I guess. I mean, like the way Hollywood yeah. is could have driven them to, you know, take those actions. That's the thing. Sure, I guess I would want to see more in that direction because all we really see is like we'll see there like Camilla being cruel to Diane and Diane doing something, you know, outlandish in response to that, as opposed to like they they don't get in that deep to like oh here's what this industry or this city or whatever has done to these people to make them like this, you know. I, I guess when I was saying the 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 rogue thing kind of doesn't like it's the kind of most out of place thing. Yeah, I guess it's like the amount of you know, bam on it. Uh-huh. it yeah, it's it's like really heavy to start and then just yeah. falls away. Right. In like a way that I'm like, you know, it, it's David Lynch, and you know, it's very there's a lot of going on in there. Right. And. I, I think he honestly, like, from what I've seen in Twin Peaks, and he, I think even a lot of times in this movie, when something is surreal and strange to go against the, like, very normalness mm-hmm. of uh, this kind of thing, you know, like, of the filming kind of take you out of it, I think he has pretty good reasons for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the Mr. Roke thing just kind of seems like I, I guess personally, I just more enjoy it when it's like the the evil like film company is also the like X and maybe the mafia. Oh yeah, I agree. I like that stuff too. And like having a guy in a glass box with a butler, and it's a little person in a giant man suit, just kind of like. I mean, yeah. Listen, that's it, yeah. <laughs> it, it seems like it. It's kind of the way too much. That, like, I remember not liking David Lynch for. Yeah, I, I can see that. David um, Lynch got to fit his favorite little weirdos in this movie somewhere. He does. And, and he's he, going to do it. Before he, this guy becomes not his yeah, favorite little weirdo. Yeah, before this guy becomes not his favorite little weirdo. Yeah, yeah, I think this is the last time they work together. I have to imagine. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly when Michael J. Anderson kind of goes off the deep end, but it's I, I don't think they make another thing together after this. Yeah, I, well, I don't know what else David Lynch has done since Mulholland Drive. Not I that guess, much. So. Yeah, made, I, I don't yeah, think it was that Inland much. Inland right? Empire is like the other movie that he's made in like the 2000s. Yeah, which is weird. It is weird to think about Inland Empire compared to this because it's got a lot of the same themes and it just kind of goes like... Hey, if you want a movie about a woman who's actually another woman, let me tell you about a movie called Inland Empire. I think I read about yeah. Inland Empire once. Yeah. The one of the things I listened to was a double episode on Mall and Drive in Inland Empire because they and they're like, yes, they they share a bunch of you know different same themes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she uh. Rita gets into the apartment before we see Betty, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, because uh, who we'll eventually learn is Betty's Aunt Ruth is, like, getting into a taxi with some bags, and, uh, yeah, the person who will eventually be known as Rita uh, runs inside, and she just seems like she's just acting on instinct. She's just looking for a hiding spot. Yes. Uh, and she, like, just crawls under yeah. a table and hides and passes out again. 
A lot of sleeping in this movie. A lot of sleeping in this movie. It's almost like it's about dreams. Uh, but we're going to Winkies, baby. We're going to fucking Winkies. This scene's so good. This scene yeah, this, slaps. This is a scene I, like, again, like, don't know how I feel about it in, like, the greater context of the movie. Sure. But I like it as just, like, a, as watching it. Yeah, yeah, as just a thing, it just kind of rips. Yeah, because it just hard cuts away from everything we've been looking at so far with just two guys hanging out at Winkies. It's like a Denny's, but you know what? Winkies is a better name. Yeah. uh, Yeah, the two... It probably says something that, like, the two... My two favorite scenes in this movie are like this. Uh Uh-huh. Just, like, cutaways that don't have, like, a strong connection to the main plot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the second one has more of a stronger connection, but, like... Okay. A lot more of the surrealism, a lot more of the, like... Just, like, people talking to, like, one-on-one about weird shit. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's the David Lynch I like. Sure. I can What's see What's the that. other one? Uh, it's the cowboy scene. Okay. Yeah! Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes, absolutely. Love that I cowboy. thought so. I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> I have other scenes that I like a lot, but uh, they have, like, asterisks next to them. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, this scene is just uh, one guy brought the other guy here to Winkies because he had a dream about this place, and the other guy was there. And Yeah, uh, they, they have, like, they never tell you these dudes' relationship. Not their relationship or their names. No. Uh, Why should they? <laughs> yeah, the, the main guy, just it, it's mostly just him giving a monologue here about this dream he had. Um where he was just at this Winkies and he felt really scared and then he looked over at the counter and his friend was there and he was scared too and that made him even more scared. And then he just has this great line where he was, and then I realize there's a man behind this place. He's the one doing it. It's like, ah, it's good shit. And like, I can see him through the wall. Yeah, I can see his face through the wall. Which, yeah. And the other guy's here, okay, so you... You came here because you wanted to see whether that guy was actually here or not. He's like, yeah, because I will freak the fuck out if I ever see that guy in real life. And I need to know he's not real. Yeah. But he he really doesn't want to check if he's not. If yeah, because his friend is like kind of impatient. Like, all right, fucking let's go then, idiot. Let's, and yeah, then I'm, I'm trying to fucking pay, you know, our tab and then just like leave. Right. And then as soon as this guy realizes, oh, fuck, I actually have to go back and check whether that guy is there. He just immediately loses all nerve. Yeah, and he is doing pretty good at, uh, like, I I have felt this moment of, like, all right, I said I'm going to do this, but I kind of really don't, so can we just, like, not do it? Yeah, totally. And then your friend is like, bitch. <laughs> yeah, his, yeah, like, face like- is glistening with sweat as they walk down the, like, staircase behind the, the restaurant, and there's, like, a shitty uh, little, like, trash area behind it. And they just kind of keep walking. And, like, he knows he can't turn around because his friend's right behind him. And he's going to keep pushing him to keep going. Yep. And uh, then they just get to the corner. And a spooky person pops out. Scary. It's scary. Yeah. I, I guess it's scary. It, it didn't scare me. I kind of... I'm, well, you're, I'm well, you're very brave. brave, as we know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm big and brave. For sure, for sure, for I'm sure. I'm a brave little girl. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Kind of scary to see a guy. He looked yeah. at you. Yeah, there was a guy looking at you. Yeah, to me, it's just how much buildup there is. Yeah, it's very tense. Yeah, like this guy being so nervous, like kind of like you start to sympathetically feel the same way. 
Yeah, I, I it's scary. I feel weird about the like the supernatural monster in this just basically being a homeless person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, David Lynch has added homeless people uh, to disabled people on his list of types his of guys. It's okay to make unhuman. <laughs> 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 Which was kind of already happening in Firewalk with me also with like yeah, the, a little bit. the like yeah. soot covered lady with the ice bag or whatever. This is just the same character. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just that lady. She Again. just grown her hair out in the last ten years. Yeah, this is played by a woman. Yes. She she plays the nun now. It could literally be the same person for all I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh Yeah, but like the sukkah lady, like, looked like a lady who just was, like, dirty. Right. Yeah, this is a little bit much. Well, yeah, like, this is... everybody in Deer Meadow is a little bit dirty. Like, fucking yeah, Carl like... does not look that much better than that lady. Well, he's at least, like, showered. But he's got, like, that dirty band-aid on his head, you know? Yeah, he does have a band-aid on his head. That's so true. Yeah. Damn, think about Carl. Oh, Carl. What a guy. What a, what a guy. Classic what a guy. guy. An all-time guy. I, I, I... I would. I was kind of hoping that he would. Sh- that uh. Oh no, Harry Dean Stanton. That Harry Dean Stanton would show up in this. Yeah, he is an Endland Empire. He's got a great. I, what what great. kind of star upgrade would a Harry Dean Stanton cameo in this film do for you, Ashley? Oh. How, how much of a grade would that bump? Uh, I thought he was the janitor for he, a second. The janitor kind of looks like Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. <laughs> we are two minutes into this film. <laughs> We're more than two minutes. <laughs> We're ten minutes into this two and a half hour movie. Oh, yeah, We're about as, twenty minutes. As uh, Rita is sleeping, we get the scene we've kind of already talked about of oh, just like yeah. also the guy dies. Oh yeah, the guy like collapses well, seemingly he, yeah, dead. He definitely passes out at least, but yeah, yeah, he might have died. I don't know. And like the sound goes all muted. Like yeah, it's it's good. I like any kind of hope, like scary thing in broad daylight. That's always a good vibe to me. Um. But yeah, like I said, yes. we, we get a scene we basically already talked about where, like, a bunch of mysterious, uh, creepy men are calling each other to be like, the girl is still missing. Yep. And uh, that, like, chain of phone calls eventually goes to, uh, hey, that red lampshade that one of David Lynch's ten clues told us to watch out for. There's a phone oh, ringing I, next to it. Oh, that's weird. I didn't see it. <laughs> Damn, I wish I had these clues before I watched the film so I could have unlocked the potential hidden here. Would have been nice to, uh... Oh, we we are also told to notice the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies, so, you know. That, that we, he was, that it was a dream? I was... Yeah, yeah I watched the, the scene, my man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, he said note, not notice. Same thing! <laughs> yeah, I, I've also noted it. <laughs> anyway. I, yes, David, noted. <laughs> We're, uh, you know... What? An hour into this podcast, 20 minutes into this movie, let's meet the main character. Let's go. Betty's here, and by gosh golly, she's never been so excited. I would have given this movie full star upgrade. Uh Uh-huh. If after she talked with, and like, uh, if she did a full musical number here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Naomi Watts is here. This is like her first big movie. I did not know that. Pretty yeah, good for her. Th- she she credits this as being her star making role. Yeah, she was like, I just got like shit roles for like ten years. I was kind of about ready to give up and quit, and then I landed this, and that kind of actually started my career in a big way. 
Uh, yeah, she's yeah. great in this movie. So she's, makes sense. Yeah. She's great. Yeah, she. Okay, yeah, her acting in this movie is something that I like. I can't say like anything bad about. No, yeah, she kills this movie. Uh, she's asked to do a lot of different things, and she does all of them great. Miss Fed, I love you. I don't know if you would have gotten this one. Like I said, it just would have been a different movie. Different movie. Yeah. yeah. Like, Audrey does not have the vibe that Betty has. No. Uh, like, yeah. she's and, like, way more I, cynical than Betty. E- even, like, the face of the actresses yeah. have different vibes. Yeah. 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 Like, I don't know if Audrey could play, or uh, I don't know if Cheryl could play quite the, like, fresh-faced... Right. Yeah. Like, we, we've talked about any of Twin Peaks and in the psychic. Like, she has, like, looked like a sexy femme fatale, like, her entire life, apparently. Yeah, right. apparently. Yeah. She uh-huh. just keeps doing it. <laughs> but uh, she has a weird conversation with uh, these old people that, I don't know. She, like, met some old people on the plane that are now her best friends in the entire world. Or, like, they know her, but, like, it's. Again, doesn't matter. They don't, yeah. Like, oh, Betty, it was so good to meet you. Just this, like, these past few hours that we've known each other, it's changed our lives, and we'll be looking for you on the screen, so you better get a big role. Yeah, the, the, clearly people that she just met, like, on the plane on the way down here. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, just just the people that she struck up conversation with on a plane. Yeah. But Betty's just and so gosh darn charming and charismatic that everybody that meets her just falls in love with her. So true. And then uh, she turns around and goes like, oh, no, my bags. And it's someone, like, loading onto the taxi. And she's like, oh, swell. <laughs> yeah, she, she is just straight up like a Brady Bunch character. On, <laughs> specifically the Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> yes, except the thing about the Brady Bunch movie is everyone, like, is like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And nobody does yeah, that to Betty. nobody does that. Uh, and then we get a cut, like, to the old couple driving away in the car. And they're both, like have just creepy grins, like, stuck on their face, and they're, like, just mugging at each other, and, like, the woman slaps the man's knee, like, ah, we got her ass! Yeah, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Yeah, because they're, like, I don't know, some personal demons of Diane or some shit, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, whatever. But then it also cuts from that to the Hollywood sign, because, ah, dang, yet another young woman's been lured in by this filthy city. Ah, yes. Oh, you know what? Maybe Canada is evil. They They were on the same flight. Oh, that's true. Okay, evil yeah, so. demons from Vancouver. So really, this movie, <laughs> really, this movie's like a like a monster fight movie of evil Canada versus evil LA. <laughs> yes. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Let them we've, fight. It's yeah, Godzilla David, versus I think I cracked it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my check now. Thank you. Uh, uh, and yeah, uh, yeah. Th- th- this old couple just seems like I'm just like yeah. David Lynch loves creepy old people. Loves weird old people. <laughs> That hasn't stopped being a thing. Uh, yeah, so Betty goes to the apartment complex that we saw earlier uh, to meet with the, uh, like, manager or whatever named Coco. Uh, who's Yeah, she is, like, an actual, like, old Hollywood actress. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, she just... Which, she, she gives that vibe. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... She gets very mad that there's fucking dog shit in the courtyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, one of the which things they did... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. yeah, I think we're about to say the same thing, which is that yeah. one of the reasons the pilot got rejected is that ABC did not care for the close-up of dog poop. 
and David Lynch, and and something that I, d- I definitely agree with on hit with him mm. is he's like bring me anyone from one to ninety who walking like going about their daily life does not see dog poop. <laughs> I see dog poop all the fucking time. On one hand, yes. On the other hand, it's not like the dog poop poop sequence is crucial to the movie. You could just cut it. You can't cut Coco. No, I'm not saying cut Coco. I'm saying cut her yelling about the dog poop. No, you well, can't cut Coco. Cut, cut the close-up of the dog poop in then. Yeah. <laughs> Just leave it on Coco? Yeah, you could do that. That's different. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, she's like, oh, oh, you don't have pets, do you? I mean, they're allowed, but... Oh, listen, I'll tell you. Someone in this building used had, to... Had a, had a, a world-class boxing kangaroo. You wouldn't believe how much shit that thing made. You wouldn't believe what it did to this, you know, courtyard. Yeah. Well, let yeah. me Betty, take you to the apartment. you ever Streets of Rage 3? <laughs> you ever play Tekken? <laughs> uh, Does yeah, Tekken so... have a kangaroo? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think... Okay. Does Tekken have know. a kangaroo? I'm gonna Google, does Tekken have a kangaroo? <laughs> I know Streets of Rage 3 has a kangaroo, yeah, but Roger, only after Roger you beat a specific yeah, boss yeah, and Roger. die. Yep. Oh, it's, he's it's got a, a little business tie. Yeah, uh, and he has boxing gloves on, and then the Joey in her pouch has a little boxing glove, too. This is a good kangaroo! <laughs> anyway, uh, Betty... That is such a great game series. <laughs> I'm linking uh, you the kangaroo Betty for her aunt's apartment. Uh, they kind of explain, basically, Betty gets to stay here while her aunt is away on business. Um, Who She's shooting a movie in Canada. Yes, she's shooting a movie in Canada. Yeah. And Betty's come from Canada to shoot movies. What? Wow. What you know? I know somebody in the business. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of the movies are actually shot in Canada. Right, so, yeah. You know, yeah. makes yeah. sense. No, I don't. Psych was shot in Canada, in fact. Yeah. <laughs> Famously, Vancouver, Santa Barbara, California. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Betty's just alone now and just kind of, like, looking around the apartment. It's great. She's loving it. Oh, but that's interesting. There's just some, like, clothes on the floor. Huh. Yeah. She is so casual about this. And, you know, again, a lot of things that you could read into that. Yeah, yeah. She, her imp- like, she doesn't speak at all, but it the impression I get is she's like, oh, clothes, that's... Weird. Well, Aunt Ruth probably just left those there on accident. Anyway, back to enjoying the reverie. Well, yeah, when she sees... Oh, the, yeah, the, yeah. Know, the naked woman in her shower, she's more like, oh, I get you must be a friend of Rita's, or like of my aunt. Yeah, oh. Weird yeah. that she didn't tell me that there was going to be a, you know, weird naked lady. <laughs> I like that the shower has frosted glass, so you can clearly see the naked woman through it. But she opens the door and only then acts shocked that there's a naked woman in the shower. She wanted to see. Yeah, you know. <laughs> My God. I'm so sorry. Boobs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then she's going to yeah, say she's... that again later. <laughs> yeah. She keeps trying to I'm have a... I'm going to say that again. <laughs> she keeps trying to have a conversation with her like through the glass. She's like, oh, I'm being rude. You're having a shower. I should probably... Okay. But uh, What's your name, though? Ah, oh, never mind. Never mind. Let me go. Uh... Yeah, we'll talk in a minute. We'll talk in a minute. And, uh, yeah, the woman is clearly distraught. She's like, uh, oh, um, uh, I'm just here taking a shower, I guess. There was an ac- there was an accident, I think. 
and then she sees a poster for the movie Gilda starring Rita Hayworth and decides her name is Rita. Yeah, I guess I'll be Rita. Hey, I got yeah. no better My ideas. My name's Rita. Rita Gilda. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, she, like, comes out in a towel, and, uh, they, we get kind of Betty's backstory of, like, oh, I'm just so excited to be here, I, I, you know, live in Ontario, but now I'm in this dream place, dreams, do you get it? Where where dreams are made. Where dreams are made. did say that, huh? The city of, yeah, uh uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, yeah, like, there's, like, a good delivery of her, and she's, like, you know, so I came here to, you know, make the movies, and I guess that's why I'm here. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's my exposition. What about you? She basically says that uh-huh. again. Yeah, I, I like her in this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm joking, but it's, it's fun. It's good. Uh, I get like I was reading some quote from Naomi Watts about like when they were doing this part when it was a TV show. She was like having a hard time figuring out how to be Betty until she was like, well. Anybody that's, like, this straight-laced is kind of a psychopath, so that's kind of <laughs> how that's I'm thinking about true. it. Like, she's clearly got a weird side that's just not on the surface. Yeah. Also, why she's, like, climbing into people's windows to check out dead bodies. Yeah. I I think Laura Herring, a lot of people have talked, you know, in, like, reviews I've read, have talked about how she gets kind of the short end of the stick in criticism. Uh-huh. And, like, you know, just people not praising her as much. Sure. I honestly just don't think she's given a lot to do. Yeah, I think she does what she's asked to do just fine. She's just not given as much to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is is Naomi Watts' movie. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, you know, she's playing... Laurel Herring is playing an amnesiac woman. Yes. And... Like, you know, you, there's interesting stuff to play there, but there's only so much of that. Right, right. And it's a more kind of well-worn... Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, she, Rita goes to sleep, and Betty's like, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you like, might no, be concussed, no. and she's like, no, 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 I'm going to fucking No, I, I know, sleep help. Yeah, listen, uh, it's sleep time. Goodbye. You won't even believe how many times I've gone to sleep today. <laughs> And Betty's like, that might be concerning. She's like... (laughs) (laughs) Rita believes in the uh, 24-7-hour sleep cycle. (laughs) If you wake, you a fake. That's what this whole movie's about. Yeah. Listen, once you wake up, bad shit happens. Just stay asleep. Just stay asleep, bro. (laughs) Uh, We cut from that to just some ominous shots of Los Angeles. Uh, yeah. Which then focus in on uh, I forget these guys' names, the, the, the Tiglioni brothers uh, or something like that. The Castig- Castellani brothers. Castellani brothers uh, coming into a meeting with famed film director Adam Kesher, who is uh, kind of being uh, sort of massaged by both his manager and the studio executives. Like, okay, Adam, listen, this is a very important meeting. We're just asking that you keep an open mind. Just, just listen. You, you, know, you, you might not like what you hear at first, but just try, you know, try to be nice about it. Oh, I God, might please. have, uh, I might have sold your movie to the mob. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, this might be a mafia thing now, so you might just need to kind of shut the fuck up and go along with it. Yeah, how about that? Yeah, yeah, I like, I do like that because like the. They're like, oh, these guys, they're, they're the best casters in the business. It just seems like these guys are studio people that act like mafia people. Maybe, yeah. I I fully have the impression that they're mafia people because in the, like, 
narrative logic of this part of it, I assume they're in cahoots with, like, Mr. Rook, and, like, they put the hit out on Rita to replace her yeah. with Camilla. Yes. Yeah, I also... I I did not have, like, the, the dream reading of this. Sure. At, I, I was more in, like, a Mobius strip kind of way. Yeah, and I will say, as much as we're talking about that as, like, that's just what it is, there's definitely people that push back on that interpretation and, like, ah, that's, like, oversimplifying it or whatever. And I, I think that's totally valid. I don't think the I, dream I, part I, is that big a deal. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the only problem I have with, like, the, the dream thing is people then going and, like, and so, like, if... You know, this part's a little weird. Eh, don't worry about it. You know, like, it's a dream. It doesn't have to make sense. Yeah, that's a boring way to apply that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it, there's more interesting ways to think about dreams and, can, totally. you know, dreams constructed by a, an auto, uh, like an artist's hands. Right. Yeah. And that's where I think bringing in the TV show thing does help because, like, no, it wasn't originally conceived of as a dream, so clearly you have to work a little harder to figure out what this scene is. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this guy wants an espresso. Yeah. Angelo Badalamenti is here, and he wants a goddamn espresso. That's true. <laughs> and you know what? He's gonna get one that he yeah, does not Everyone like. is terrified of these men who just silently come in and, like, slide a woman's headshot, uh, a woman named Camilla Rhodes, across the table... And uh, there's like, well, the, so these gentlemen have a recommendation for you, Adam, about your new lead girl. It's not a recommendation. This, um, this is the girl. This is the girl. And yeah, Angela Badalamenti orders an espresso, something he clearly does every time they have a meeting, and they keep trying to find one that will uh, satisfy him. They but hire he- a different espresso guy every single time, and none of them have ever <laughs> made a good espresso. Yeah, so he... The the waiter brings him an espresso. The waiter's clearly also freaking out. Like he's just like, yeah. Oh, is is there anything else I can get for you, sir? N- napkin. napkin. What? Oh, of course, of course. Napkin. Because he <laughs> he sips the espresso with his pinky extended like a fancy man. That's right. I, I also feel like this is like right when espressos. Yeah, totally. Or like becoming a thing. It's like I. Rewatch some like old mystery science theater, and like one of the jokes they keep on hitting is how, like, oh, everyone's just crazy about that karaoke, like right. it's a fad because like they it's just come to America, and right, like, right. Oh yeah, like you guys, yeah, I like, think this is a fad and not that just a a cultural import that we will keep forever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he takes a sip of the espresso and then like holds it in his mouth for a second and then just starts spitting it into the napkin. <laughs> I think spitting is like a uh, that is more action than he applies to this. Uh, no, he just kind of opens his mouth, and lets it dribble out. Yeah. It just kind of like yeah. leans his head forward, and is like, "Be gone! Get the, it! Just get this! No, go ahead. Get this out of my fucking mouth!" How it's just dare very you? funny to me that like when he drinks it, he has like perfect etiquette, but then he just makes a big mess getting it out of his mouth. That's even scarier, though. No, no, I like it. It's good. So it's scary. I don't He's care. Like, I don't want any of this shit. Uh, and so the executives all start freaking out because he's unhappy, and Adam is yelling about how nobody's casting the main girl in his film but him, and this random nobody they want to cast. She's not in my movie. Fuck you. I got a golf club. Yeah, I definitely. I wonder how much of like Adam is supposed to be a parody of 
like shit healed Hollywood directors and how much it's supposed to be some element of autobiography. It's probably a little bit of both, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you think everyone? It, uh, you think a guy ever spat out espresso at David Lynch? <laughs> I think David Lynch has spat out espresso. <laughs> Just the the guy going, it is no longer your film. Yeah. I'm 100% sure it's something that David Lynch has heard. I, yeah, yeah, I imagine that's something that a lot of directors hear. And, but also, I... I listen, Hall, movies that directors make about making movies are either very good or very bad. Uh-huh. And so I kind of like, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, luckily, that's not really what this movie's about. No, 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 not at all. Yeah, like it, it is in some ways about making movies, which I will talk about more. <laughs> yeah, it's about like crafting narratives or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but it, it is a movie about making movies that the way that all directors eventually make, yeah. whether they realize it or not. Right. Yeah, and again, Inland Empire really doubles down on that aspect of things. Like that's yeah. very much about like. Because the thing in Inland Empire is, like, you start to lose track of which scenes are the quote-unquote real world and which ones are, like, the movie within a movie or the movie within the movie within the movie. Uh, and it just kind of all blurs together in a weird way. But anyway, Adam's yeah. smashing this car, and that's all that matters. Yeah, he, like, carries around a golf he club a as golf an club affectation. To this meeting. But he's yeah. got to have a fancy director affect, and his thing is he just carries a golf club around. You know, yeah. useful object. Yeah, when you gotta fuck yeah. up a mob guy's car? <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. This guy was voiced, uh, I mean, he's played by Justin Thoreau. Yes. Uh, who, you know, like, ha- has been in a lot of movies and has, like, you know, actor in a lot of things. Also, weirdly, like, a writer for, like, Tropic Thunder and Iron Man 2. Mm-hmm. Just a weird career. Uh... But I kept on thinking that he was Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> he doesn't. I can't, tell, I, I can't tell you why, but like I would just like he would just like see him from a certain angle and be like, oh, "John Knoxville." Oh no, sorry, that's just a throw. He looks more like Johnny Knoxville than some people do. I and then I just started thinking, what if Johnny Knoxville was in a David Lynch movie? <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, yeah, we get what we were talking about before. The one executive goes to see Mr. Roke, who's just Michael J. Anderson in, like, a tall man costume in a wheelchair. I, th- I yeah. didn't think it was him. Pris, Pris spotted him immediately, and I'm like, that can't be him. Yeah, yeah. It's, This it's man's him. too big. Clearly uh, I'm a fool, and I'm easily deceived by Hollywood magic. <laughs> There is no body, and yet yeah. we see it. Yeah, well, clearly no one would have would think, hey, let's cast a little person and then put them in a big suit. That's a normal thing to do in a movie. No one would have that idea. It, it definitely looks like the kind of special effect they would do it in a Men in Black. <laughs> sure, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, that room is very dark, in my defense. It is a dark room, totally. It is a dark room, and yeah, like... We only get him from weird angles. You, yeah, you get a lot of either very far away or way too close up. You only get a couple shots of, like, his head. And yeah. he only says, uh, like, three words talking forward, so I was never going to get it. That's true. Uh, anyway, we cut to a Coen Brothers scene. Anyway, we cut to the best adaptation of the Hitman games ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just... <laughs> 
a hitman level gone horribly wrong. <laughs> it's, it's gone horribly right, I think is what you mean. Uh-huh. This is this is beautiful to me. Yeah, it's just you this guys. Is, this is another scene that like probably doesn't need to be in this movie, but oh, it needs to be in this movie. <laughs> it's I need be to watch movie. it. Yeah, it's the cinema, Ashley. If if this was a short film that someone shared, sure, I would feel about the same about it that I do now. Sure, yeah, it does not necessarily, other than this hitman showing up again in the back end of the film, it does not connect into much of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, these two guys, <laughs> two just weird jackasses are just laughing in this shitty office about the car accident. Yeah. Uh, so, part of the reason why I thought Mobius Trip was, I thought, you know, she hired this dude. Uh-huh, yeah. And then I thought that he caused the ca- the accident. <laughs> Right. And because he's bad at his job, uh, he she got away. <laughs> Killed everyone except her. Yeah. Right, yeah. God, I wish. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. And so, and yeah, that's what I thought was happening. Which is like the hyper-literal version of like the dream interpretation. It's like, well, obviously, in her dream, the hitman's bad at his job because she doesn't want to go through with killing her. But like, that's Yeah, whatever. sure. Yeah. No, I think he's just a bad hitman. I think she just right. hired a bad hitman. <laughs> Listen, if you hire a good hitman, that's actually a cop. <laughs> well, I mean, in in the Diane world, it does seem like Camilla gets murdered. Does she? Yeah, because the blue key shows up. He says, when you find this blue key where I told you, that means the job's done. Oh, okay. Yeah, but, again, like, in the... the I the didn't see her die, so... Sure, true. And the Mobius strip thing, I was thinking, and you know how we've seen this dude act before. Even though I know, you know, dream logic, and you know, it's it's what she is interpreting, what she wants. Sure, right, right. Uh, I could see him like, you know, car going to the cliff, and he's like, "All right, boop, boop, boop." <laughs> right, like he lo- he just told her that the job's done. Yeah, I could see that. If I don't see a body, this bitch ain't dead. That's true. But also, there's the thing where like the cops are like keep coming around to question Diane about something. I do not see a body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. One of these yeah. girls kills herself on screen. The other one is just not there. Okay. Yeah. You're not, you're not wrong. Uh, anyway. Yeah. This guy is just having this dumb conversation and then sees an address book on his desk. He goes like, oh, wait, is that the, is that the famous black book? And uh, then he shoots the other guy and steals it. Yeah, and then well. he tries to make it look like a well. suicide and accidentally shoots uh, the wall. The lady! She <laughs> shoots, shoots a, a lady the in the thigh! <laughs> and she's and she's kind of big, so she can't see the back of her thighs, so she just thinks she got bit by a really big bug. Something bit uh, me which, bad! <laughs> yeah, something bit me bad. And uh, he's like, oh, damn, that's crazy. Let me choke you out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, and then she just fights him off. Yeah. And then the cleaning guy sees him trying to choke her out and he's like hey could you help me she's really sick yeah come on man you gotta come in and call an ambulance while i could help you her help me come on man you can't just stand there staring at me you like i'm doing a murder do you gotta this. come over to help you gotta come over to help me with the murder bring the vacuum if you could <laughs> so i can maybe clean up some of this evidence uh, uh so then he kills, <laughs> he kills the woman he kills the, the janitor and then he, he just, decides to well this vacuum cleaner's making a lot of noise. I gotta stop this. How do what's the most sensible way to make a vacuum cleaner stop? I know I'll shoot it. I'll shoot it. <laughs> and, and then that sets off the fire alarm. Yeah. The fire. 
And you hear I like all this that, electrical noise. I like that he was like, oh, I can maybe like line it up perfectly so I shoot her through the back of the head right where the other bullet hole is. And then right. he misses that and just shoots her like three more times. <laughs> it's such a funny Talking sequence. Talking about the scene, I'm going to go upgrade my uh, grade on this movie. <laughs> Uh, I want a movie about this hitman. <laughs> I, this is just a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, totally. It's very Coen-y. Yeah, I've heard uh, of those guys. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you like this scene, Molly, may, you should maybe check out like a Fargo. One, one Fargo. Yeah, yeah. What if this guy was Steve Buscemi, Molly? That's what I'm suggesting. I, I don't know anything about Steve Buscemi except no. he does not look like a child. That's true. Uh, anyway, yeah. Amazing scene, perfect, no notes. Uh, yeah. Cut back to Betty talking to her aunt on the phone. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm great. Oh, the apartment's so good. And uh, Sorry, I didn't know your friend Rita was going to be here, though. What, what do you mean Rita? you don't know what I'm talking about? What? No. She, I mean, she's here, so you must have a friend named Rita. Yeah, I mean, there's a naked bloody woman in your bathtub, so I think she's probably your friend. She's a meter mace. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, she's starting to, like, argue with her aunt, and then she goes to see Rita, who is woken up and is in tears, because she was hoping that if she took a nap, she would wake up and her amnesia would be fixed, but it's not. That's not how that works. No. Well, what if it was, though? Yeah, So easy. Nobody would have Uh amnesia anymore. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Betty is immediately like, okay, no, it's fine, it's fine, we'll, we'll figure out who you are. Here, let's, let's look at your purse, there's probably some clues in there. And, uh, and yeah. no IDs, only money. Yeah, no ID, just $50,000 in cash and a <laughs> weird fucked up blue key. <laughs> no throw, only catch, fucking, <laughs> or <laughs> no give, only throw, but no yeah. no ID, only money. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we just get a lot of, like... Of, like, a lot of close-ups of their eyes checking out this key and this money, being like, wow, well, this is fucked up. Uh, and then we're back with the hitman who's talking to a uh, sex worker on the street. He's like, hey, any new girls show up lately? Like, maybe, like, a bloody black-haired one that has amnesia? No? Okay, well, you want to fuck anyway? Yeah, sure. Fuck it, yeah. man. Yeah. This is what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so Betty and Rita are just kind of talking through... Like, trying to figure out who Rita is. Does she have any memories about where she was or who she is? And uh, it's clearly, like, just making Rita panic the harder she tries to think about who she is. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, meanwhile, Adam, the director, is driving home and is getting a phone call from his, from, yeah, his assistant about, like, Hey, uh, there's a bunch of guys down here and they're shutting the movie down on account of... You didn't... On account of you're not playing ball with the mob. Yeah, on account of you did attack a mob car and yell at a mafia guy. I, I've heard that this is not your movie anymore. Yeah, huh? And he's like, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, fuck all and, that, I'm going home. And, and she's like, like that's, wait, a really no. good, that's a really good way to not own the movie anymore is to go home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, and, and they're like, oh, don't go home because then you're going to find your wife cheating on you. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, yeah, we get, like, the iconic crossfade of this movie, which is just, like, fucking uh, palm trees dissolving into Betty, like, laying on a bed. Or laying on the couch, rather. 
Uh, and she's like, dang, Rita, I don't know what the fuck's up with you. It sure is a crazy mystery. <laughs> Fucked up if true. Yeah. And Rita remembers that she was going to somewhere on Mulholland Drive when the car accident happened. And Betty's like, oh, dang, yeah, now we got a clue. Now we can go be Nancy Drew together. Let's go. Yeah, and she she does say the line, it'll just be like the movies will pretend to be someone else. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Which is, yeah, definitely one of those things, like, that's in the pilot when that wasn't what this was about. But it's very funny how many, like, accidental foreshadowings are in this. Yeah, that, this yeah. is, again, like, one of those things where it's like, I- I'm, like, weirded out when people are like, well, if you look closely, you can solve it. <laughs> right. Because it was just kind of a happy accident. Well, yeah, and, like, also, like, there are so many things about dreams and sleep. And oh, right, yeah, 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 it's not, you, you have to pay attention and maybe think about it for about 20 minutes afterwards. To at least get a rough idea. Yeah. Uh, Adam gets home, sticks his golf club in with the others in the bag at the door. He sees there's a pool guy truck outside, but there's no guy. I'm sorry, I think pool. you mean Gene Clean is here. Gene Clean is here. Excuse me. Sorry, I should put some respect on that name. <laughs> uh, because, yeah, he gets suspicious because there's Billy no Gene Clean. Cyrus. <laughs> That's right. Billy Ray Cyrus is here fucking his wife. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> Uh, his wife is pissed off Like not even like oh damn it you caught us She's like what the fuck what are you doing home That's not fair you cheated Yeah <laughs> No. And he's like no Ma'am, in fact I, think I believe <laughs> If you want Billy Ray Cyrus She's like hey man just Billy Ray Cyrus is so chill About everything <laughs> He is incredibly chill He's just like hey you should just leave and forget you saw this Everyone will be happier that way I know I, you're real I, mad I, right now but think it through buddy I turned to Molly midway through and I said, like, if uh, I don't end up liking this movie, I'm just going to have, like, the quote in my, like, review uh-huh. uh, tweet thread. Yeah. Uh, be, you should forget you've seen this. It's better that way. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's what she you did. did. Uh, so Adam just wordlessly grabs his wife's jewelry box and also a can of uh, pink paint and just starts pouring paint on him. Not a great revenge scheme, I feel like. Ah, uh, that might ruin that jewelry. I feel like that'll come off. And yeah. some of it maybe, a lot of it no. You can pick paint off with like a fingernail if there's, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, I don't know. When you dunk the whole thing, might be a little much. I feel like there's, that's... I, I feel like you're, there's always going to be some, and that will, <laughs> you know, that's part of it. Yeah, I guess that's true. I Metal's guess got so. pores. I guess that's true. Uh, I really like, yeah, she comes out, and he, uh, Adam, like, tries to make, like, ha- get a swing at her, and Billy Ray Cyrus is immediately, like, just, like, apparates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and comes in, like, punches him once, and he's on the ground. <laughs> And he's like, listen, I get it, but you shouldn't hit your wife. Yeah. No matter what. <laughs> so then he just picks him up and throws him out the front door like a cartoon. <laughs> well, he lands on his back and skids backwards. <laughs> yeah. It's great. <laughs> it's so good. I like that this like portion of the movie has the same like vibe as Big Fat Liar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. I, do you think that in the if this was a TV show, like the Adam plot would never develop and just increasingly stupid bad things happen to him every episode? God, I hope so. <laughs> I think I think it would go off and on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. So he just kind of like limps back to his car, defeated and covered in pink paint, and just drives away. Uh, I noticed that he did not get a lot of pink paint on his car, which I find. <laughs> Somebody's gonna get that car back after this movie's over, so... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, Betty and Rita decide to hide the money and the key in the closet, because uh, we don't need to in worry about that box, right now. because yeah. her, her aunt's rich, so of course she has a hat her box. Her aunt's got a fancy hat box for a fancy hat. Uh, and then they, yeah, decide to go to a payphone over by Winkies to uh, make a phone call to the police to ask about a car accident. Yep. That yep. may have happened on Mulholland Drive. May have happened on Mulholland Drive. Just inquiring about an accident that may have happened. I thought I heard something. I wanted to know if there was a car accident. And they're like... I, I think that's pretty good for her. Yeah, you know. And, like, yeah, she kind of loses it the second they ask a question, which, you know, maybe she should have thought further ahead. Right. She keeps asking questions and uh, eventually whoever's on the phone is like, can I have your name, please? And she just freaks out and hangs up. Hey, you know, it's, hey, on a tele- yeah. it's on a payphone. Who cares? Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my my main thought during the scene was like, damn, there's going to be people who don't know what payphones are by like the time you watch this in 10 years. That is true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So they go into Winkies to eat. This scene is new for the movie. They didn't. This isn't part of the TV show. I'm shocked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, cause, yeah. Also, this is the one of the first things that has like romance kind of things in it. Yes, yeah. It's also, uh, the waiter comes up and, uh, Betty sees her name tag, says Diane, and that's, like, the beginning of, like, hey, wait a sec, what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And, yeah, I, I definitely, again, me, but I definitely got the feeling that she, there was, like, some amount of, like, if not, f- out, not flirting, like, some, like, interest besides just, like, hey, wait a minute, that's my name <laughs> right yeah sure there's definitely kind of a vibe between the the waitress and betty and you know she will has the same hair that rita will have later with the wig that is true her. yeah yeah, yeah. well man <laughs> uh but um but, oh you know what i lied the scene is in the yeah oh it is in the pilot because right it's Rita well, looking at the f- Diane name tag. Yeah, not- they have to figure out the Diane thing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, with the whole movie, it's like, oh, this is this is Betty seeing the name tag. It's going to get mirrored later. But, yeah, this is Rita remembering the name Diane Selwyn, because that's the yeah, next right. clue. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got it now. Um, So they go and uh, find there's there's only one Diane Selwyn in the phone book, so uh, maybe that's who they, you are. It's just D. Selwyn. It's not D. even Selwyn. Diane Selwyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, maybe that's your name. We should call this number and find out. Boy, it sure is a funny feeling to call yourself on the phone as I dial Diane Selwyn's number. Right. Uh, And, yeah, the answer machine. I was trying to look up if the answer machine voice was Naomi Watts or not, and I could not find anything definitive. Yeah. I don't think it's very easy to tell, even if you listened closely. Yeah, it's not. No. Just because of how answering machines are. Phone audio and whatnot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Rita's like, "Well, that's not me, but I, I know her. I know that voice." 
Uh, so they decide that tomorrow they're going to have to go check out Diane Selwyn's house. Gotta do it after my audition. Yep. Uh, meanwhile, the largest man in the world comes to Adam Kesher's house. Yeah, he's uh, huge. Yeah, just an absolute unit of a man is here to come beat the <laughs> shit out of Adam Kesher. That's just a big man. Yeah. Uh, we don't get anything about this guy other than this scene. Presumably he's a mafia guy. He's definitely uh, a mafia guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know who else he would be. Mm-hmm. I did kind of laugh when he just, like, punches out Billy Ray Cyrus and then punches the girl who's on his yes. shoulders. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just because it's so stupid. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just like a fucking cartoon. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he just keeps shouting for Adam Kesher, even though they keep telling him that he's not yeah, like, here. He's, yeah, he's not here, and he probably won't be here for a very long time. Right, like, he punches both of them out, and like, it just goes right back to saying, Adam Kesher, you here? <laughs> Bro. Uh, but no, Adam Kesher is obviously over at Cookie's place. I love Cookie. Hello, <laughs> Cookie's sir. a nice man. What a delightful Cookie, yeah, guy. This is a peak David Lynch character. Yeah, he's just kind of an older guy with a big bushy mustache and a t-shirt. What a mustache. I gotta say. What a mustache. What a mustache on this man. And he just runs some shitty rundown motel downtown that uh, Adam's hiding out at. There's, like, an implied, like, oh, they have, like, a past, like, history together. Like, they're old friends or something. But, you know, we don't have time to get into that. But uh, Cookie comes to Adam's like, "Uh, I'm afraid to tell you, Adam, that your credit cards have been declined. He's like, what? But I paid you in cash? (laughs) I know, but even so. I have to tell you. It's just that vine of your money's no good here. Right. Your money, your cash got rejected. Yeah. <laughs> These serial uh, numbers will not do. Sorry, a, a scary man came by and told me to tell you that the bank says you're not allowed to use money anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know I'm good for it. Right. It's like, well, okay, I, yeah, I know that, and I still have to tell you. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I just like his delivery of, I just want you to know that the people you're hiding from know you're here. Yeah, like, he's like, listen, I we're good, You we know each other, I know it's fine, but clearly if you're trying to hide from somebody, it ain't working. Uh, mm. And then at this point, he gets a call from his assistant, who's been trying to get in touch with him all day, because uh, the executives have told him that he can fix this if he goes out to see the cowboy. <laughs> it's very simple. Just yeah. meet with the cowboy. You just and gotta go meet with the cowboy. <laughs> all kinds of little <laughs> cowboy think. jokes. Also, his assistant like comes on to him. She's like, "Oh, I mean, you could come sleep at my place. It'd be fine. It'd be normal. Maybe." He's like, "It'd be ah. normal. I've been trying to fuck you for years, and yet your wife is cheating on you. And you won't even take the opportunity. Okay, asshole, fuck you too." <laughs> why? Why do guys just ignore people? The when there's lots of good girls <laughs> right in front of their faces, they go for bitches. <laughs> so true, Queen. Uh, yeah, and I instantly looked up to see if this lady was in Ghost Story. Or <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she looks like one of those like alt comic bitches. <laughs> uh, Betty and Rita are finding where Diane lives on a map, and like, okay, we'll go there tomorrow after my audition. And then they get interrupted by a knock on the door of like a mysterious old woman who's here. I think you mean a witch. This is a yes. witch. Yes, there's yeah, a this witch. is a witch. Lana's grandmother is here. That's right. <laughs> because someone's in trouble. She needs to, oh, I need to help. Somebody's in trouble. And Betty's like, um, I don't know what you mean. Hi, my name's Betty. No, it's not. That's not. Uh, oh, somebody's in trouble. Somebody else is here. 
who's there? And then, yeah, Coco comes up and is like, oh, that's, yeah, that, that's crazy, A- Annie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, ignore her. Um, except, well, actually, she said there's trouble, so maybe uh, fucking listen to her a little bit if there is. Right. Uh, but... You know, d- but but ignore her. Don't worry. It's like about a fifty-fifty chance she's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't don't stress too much. But yeah, and uh, Rita is like trying trying to just like lean away on the couch so they can't see her through the door. Uh, Coco came by because Betty has received a fax of the line she has to memorize for her audition tomorrow. Ah, pretty late a, fax. She got a big Hollywood audition tomorrow. That's mm-hmm. right. Uh, but who gives a flying fuck about that? Because it's time to meet the cowboy. That's right. It's cowboy time. Yeehaw, baby. It's the cowboy. It's, it's the, the cowboy. cowboy, baby. The lights is yeah, on. This, this, is, I, this is the scene that I saw before, and I was like, I was just kind of confused by it. Sure. And, like, it's not like it makes a lot, like. No. A sense like in like it makes sense, but like it makes about as much sense if if I was like paying attention. <laughs> yeah, but I think also like you need the context of the movie, like in terms of like vibe and shit, right? Because if it's just this scene by itself, it's kind of nothing. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> I did call Chelsea. Like, Chelsea, you gotta come meet the cowboy. Come watch this scene, and she was just like, "Okay, well, gonna go now." <laughs> uh, this guy's the producer of Twin Peaks. Oh, is he? I knew he was like a friend of David Lynch's. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I did read uh, a thing from David Lynch saying, like, yeah, he was great, except he could not remember his lines. Every shot of him, uh, Justin Thoreau is holding up cue cards off screen. <laughs> yeah, I read that they had basically, like, put, like, a bunch of, like, po- like big post-it notes on yeah. Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of love, I mean, the, the necessity that that makes is that they can't be in the same, like, shot together. But right. I kind of love that. No, it's good. No, yeah. yeah. I, I yeah, this scene is just I, is probably my favorite scene of the movie. Absolutely, this is an all-time scene for me. Uh, I I just love his like because he's just saying like David Lynch bullshit, and you're so used to that kind of thing where people like they are like unknowable people, right? And he yes like says like you know. Now, do like, do you agree that a man's choices, you know, reflect, you know, what his inner self wants to do? And right. the guy's like, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, now, did you actually agree with that? Or are you just saying what you think I want to hear? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and it's just like, he like stops and goes like, oh shit, sorry. I thought I was having a weird David Lynch moment. <laughs> yeah. I mean, You're like a person. Yeah, but you appeared in a burst of electrical static as like a lamp magically turned on above my head. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, well, since you agree with me that a man's attitude determines, you know, his life or whatever, uh, you must not be a man who values the good things in life. Which, again, brutal. Uh-huh. Like, just... Yeah, he's like, what, how, what do you mean? Well, now, I think if you stop and think about it for a second, you can tell what I mean. Can you do that for me? Can you think about it? Uh, okay. brr, 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 this is David Lynch telling you to think. <laughs> Every fucking David Lynch movie <laughs> has a scene where he's like, please, I'm begging you, it's not that hard. <laughs> and the guy's like, okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, I'm thinking. No, you're not thinking. Thinking you're being a smart Alec. You're too busy being a smart Alec to be thinking. Yeah. I love this scene so fucking much. 
It's good. It's just, yeah, he's just extremely, like, passive-aggressive in a way that is intensely scary, almost. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, just like the, all right, you're going to, you know, go to the casting tomorrow. You're already going to recast that part. So, when you see the girl in the photo you saw yesterday, you're going to say, that's the girl. If you do good, you'll see me one more time. If you do bad, you'll see me two more times. And by the way, me doing this impression during our conversation about this sequence constitutes you hearing from the cowboy one more time. So, oh, you hear fuck. From, as of right now, this is a good podcast. You hear from me again, though. Uh-oh. We're definitely going to do that voice again. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. We're fucked. Yeah, you, you guys are doomed. <laughs> and then I'm he good t- over here. He turns and walks away, and it cuts to Adam, who just is like, wait, what? Because we cut back, and we see there was nowhere for him to walk away to. Yeah, there, there's nothing here, and then he's just gone. Like, there's a fence yeah. behind him. He could not have walked away. He's he's the electric cowboy. There you go. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Betty is... Yeah, the, the person, like, we were showing off, like... And I'm not gonna say that I uh, showed anything better. Sure. Uh, but I, the person was like, oh, but like, he doesn't, he goes into a place and there's no place for him to walk. Isn't that crazy? And like, I don't, that's just not like the craziest, like, not the point or the craziest thing about this scene. <laughs> no, I do think like, I like that about it a lot. And it's like a subtle, like weird thing that throws you off kilter. And it's like yeah. this movie does a couple times where like it uses basic, like, movie techniques, but then draws your attention to the fact, like, wait a second, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. yeah. But, like, if you hadn't done that, it would have taken it at face value. Yeah. And it's something I get, like, that this person, like, realized this after watching it multiple times. It also seems like something where, like, that person understood something that they were having a hard time explaining well. Yeah. But yeah. It, it just also, at the moment, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. this. You're a hater. <laughs> I do think we're going to have to hear about what clip you shared for this film class, though, Ashley. Uh, it was either a clip from Ocean's Eleven. Sure. Which would be pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think, like, the them waiting at the fountain, which I, would, would not be the scene I would show now, but right. it's a pretty good scene. Yeah. Uh, no, that was it, because the other, other one I was thinking of was... Someone did uh, a, a scene from an animated movie. Oh, sure. I think a Walsh and Gromit, and uh, the teacher said that doesn't count. What the fuck? Because it's animated. Well, Walsh and Gromit goes, bro. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what the class was, but that seems rude. <laughs> yeah, it was like filmmaker, like, you know, it's like intro to film 101, and it's like... Okay, for a one-on-one thing, then yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, filmmaker that inspired you, and he was like, oh, the, the the penguin chase scene from The Wrong Trousers. Yeah. Which it's is a great a, little movie. It's a great little movie. <laughs> yeah, it, it... I did not have a fun time in film college for a lot of, lot of reasons, but... Sure. Yeah. I have so, to assume the people who are uh, teachers at film college are snobs. Sure. It yeah, it depends. But yeah, I'm but sure. Yeah. 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 
uh, we get another ominous shot of the Hollywood sign, which I feel like if this had been a TV show would have just been the equivalent of like the rustling trees in Twin Rustle- Peaks. Yeah, or the fucking light. Uh, yeah, the traffic light. Yeah, traffic yeah, yeah. You light. just get a, yeah. occasionally just the Hollywood sign with some droning music behind it, so you know oh, it's damn, fucked up. Damn, I guess up. we are in Hollywood. It, Fuck. It, yeah. it's, it's the, the friend New York skyline. Right, uh-huh. <laughs> the apartment in Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Betty uh, is practicing her scene for her audition. Um, yeah, you see, it looks like they're having a real argument, but then it, it pulls out and it's all fake. Yeah, it very quickly. <laughs> as soon as you yeah. cut to Rita. <laughs> it's very... Yeah, as soon as she says anything and she doesn't know how to do... Well, the there was... Um, I, I listened to the ornate stairwells on this, and they were talking yeah. about how it's like bad on purpose, and I'm like, I think it's just somebody helping somebody memorize lines. I don't know if it's that deep. Oh, Rita's definitely, like, not, like, yeah, she's just reading and, like, not doing a very good job. Yeah. Betty's performance in this scene is, like, it's not bad, but it's, like... It, it is very, like, over-the-top soap opera. It's, like, high school play level of Yeah, I good. just, I guess I just ended up reading it as, like, I just need to memorize these lines, and I could do everything else on the back end. Sure. Yeah. Which, like... I just need to get this in my brain. Right. This is a lot of the time, like, when people, like, try to do more realistic acting while they're, like, practicing it, Mm -hmm. they will go bigger because then those emotions, like, will stay in the back of their mind while they're performing smaller. And, like, yeah, she, like, at the end goes, and then, like, you know, I cry, cry, cry. Right. That's Yeah. yeah, That's why I kind of figured it was just like, yeah, I'm not doing the whole thing right now. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, because definitely, you know, what we're alluding to, it's definitely a, a common interpretation. Like, oh, she's kind of sucky in this scene, but when she actually does the audition, she's going to crush it. And that's, you know, interesting. Uh, yeah, I don't put in the most effort on my practice test. <laughs> we're talking about practice. We're not we're talking, talking about, about the practice? game. Practice? <laughs> uh, and yeah, Coco uh, also drops by and just sees a lady in a robe. <laughs> Like, that isn't the person she knows. <laughs> yeah. Hey, why do you have a woman in here? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Coco sorry for... immediately clocks these two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Betty's Coco like, well, sorry for making a do. friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so Coco Betty yeah, goes outside moments. to Coco, and she's like, hey, yeah, your aunt told me you called her and told her there was a bloody naked woman in her shower. Uh, I, it seems that you've adopted her instead of kicking her out. What's up with that? And she's like, no, she's my bloody uh, amnesia friend. <laughs> yeah, she misunderstood. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. So she's like, like, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, you're a good kid, so I trust that you have good intentions, but uh, also I have a witch that lives here who said that it's bad news, so you need to get her, like, get the fuck rid of her. Get the shit out of my apartment. Yeah. I, I like that she says horse pucky. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Which, it, like, is partially due to it being a TV show pilot. Yeah. You know, where they can't say fuck or her shit. Sure. But it also just works for the character. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's just Coco. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Uh, so... I'm trying to fast forward to see what happens next year. Uh, next is the audition. Yeah, so Betty goes to her audition... She gets brought into a room with a whole bunch of people. Uh, I thought the girl on the far left was Zoe Deschanel at first. She, yeah, she she looks about as much like Zoe Deschanel as Justin Thoreau looks like Johnny Knoxville. I thought I was that, having a little, 
I thought that she was the girl from Gilmore Girls. <laughs> but I was like, no, too young for this. I just thought she was person. someone in Daria cosplay. Uh, Alexis Bledel. That's who I was looking for. Mm-hmm. That's the name. Yeah, I I think uh, the acting in this scene is very good. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think Naomi Watts is like fucking incredible in this scene as yes. playing an actress who is acting in a scene, uh-huh, yeah. which is fucking insanely hard in you know a weird way. Right. Uh, but I we were kind of talking a bit about it. Luke. There's just the casting couch aspect of this scene weirds me out. Sure, say more about that. Uh, so, like, he, the the other actor, Woody... Yeah. Uh, is obviously being, like, a bit... Like, wanting to... He's like, oh, we're gonna play this close. Right. He's being a creep, yeah, he's being but a in a way that a he could be like, no, I'm not being a creep, I'm just... Listen, this is acting. Yeah, like, you know, being a creep in a way that has been, you know... It, Proven again and again how creeps in Hollywood and other yes performing arts like act yeah and you know that's another very common part of the uh you know the the Hollywood you know bright eyed young blonde starlet who gets spit out right is you know the 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 men who take advantage of her and abuse her. Right, right. And that isn't this, but it, like, gets so close up to the line, and I'm just like, what? What, it, what are you doing? Yeah, you, it, what, it, it, like, evokes it. It, like, gestures towards it. Uh, but, yeah, where it goes instead is, like, Betty, like, leans into, oh, if you want me to, oh, oh, I didn't realize you wanted me to be fucky in this scene. Okay, yeah, I can do that. Well, and, like, it's all about, it's got some weird, like, and she makes the choice for him to, like, grab her ass, rather, like, when he's, like, just about to, like, do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I I get a lot about what this, like, the story of this movie is. Right. I don't get 100% of what it's trying to say. Yeah, no, I agree. That's That's kind of where I'm struggling with it, too. Because, and, like... I think we all, or at least you and me, Ashley, like, look, tried to look up a lot of people talking about Mulholland Drive and stuff. I was trying to find, like, essays or things people have written, like, analyzing it. And, boy, oh, boy, 99% of what you can find is people explaining how the first part of the movie is a dream and the back end is the real part. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. I got that. We gotta go a level deeper, please. <laughs> yeah, there's more stuff in this movie if you can believe it. Right? Like, what? I, I, can we talk about what that stuff means instead of what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want like Mohan Drive solved. I want right. like I. I ended up looking uh, at like a queer reading of Mulholland Drive because that was another thing, and I, I'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the the kind of near the end of the movie, well, I think it's. Uh, I can really just talk about all of it. Right. But, like, I found, like, a lot of things didn't mention this scene other than to say that Naomi Watts is really good in it. Sure. Which she is. And, like, she is overpowering this scene in a good way. Right, right. Uh, But it's this is one of those scenes where I there's just, like, a part of my brain that can't, that is, like, 
has a hamster wheel constantly running of like what the fuck's going on in this scene. Right. That I can't fully enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, and I guess like if you were I think this is kind of doing more lifting than you should have to do, but you could maybe take it as if you're going with like the dream interpretation like her actual quote unquote real life audition went much worse than this and did have a, you know, the implicit, like, sexual angle of this was more overt and she was used by this guy. And the dream version of it is, no, she was actually in control of that situation. But, like, again, that's not even hinted towards in that part. Yeah, Yeah, but, and, like, also, like, it doesn't talk about, like, you know, like, then, like, what does, like, Hollywood, like, yeah, does Hollywood have, like, a, is it, like, the Hollywood machine that, like, eventually leads to her, like, trying to murder this person? Right. Like, is it, like, you know, this movie, for being, you know, like, the Hollywood, like, very much, like, a, like satire almost and like I think that's a too strong word but like sure but I know what you mean that yeah that is what I think a lot of people would categorize it as uh doesn't get into a lot of like what Hollywood can actually do to young actresses right yeah 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 which I yeah I think is uh, a failing on the heart of the movie yeah, and it's even, kind of, yeah. Go ahead. Even if you would want, to, like, say that like, if David Lynch would like argue to me uh, that like that's not what the movie is about. Sure. It's like, well, you're p- playing in all of these spaces of classic movies, where you know it is known that these classic actresses went through this stuff, and like that's part of their story. Right. And then also people were making movies about that at the exact same time that people were. You know, about these starlets who were getting spit up and abused and all of this while it was actually happening behind the scenes of those movies. Right, again, well, I the think name... maybe it shows a willingness of, like, the, the people who are going into that situation to throw themselves on the sword, you know? Right. Yeah, and, like, they, you know, and that's, like, a the, big part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a part and of I'm it not happened. saying that's, like, a good message to be like, no, yeah, these no. girls will do it. But I, I think that's maybe what's being suggested here. Sure. Yeah. Uh,. And there's something like that in the making behind of this movie, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll we'll get to it in a bit. It's not as bad, It's but... not as bad, and it seems like people... It, yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, like I said before, like, you get all these scenes of, like, the evil machinations of Hollywood, but that never reaches Betty, like, or... Or and if it does reach Diane, we don't see it reaching Diane. The conflict that she deals with is like completely framed as an interpersonal thing. Well, I mean the the way it reaches Diane is that she's an extra in that movie, right? Uh, and then kills herself. Sure, but I'm saying like it's not like oh the like if this was a movie where fucking uh, Camilla and Diane were um, tech support phone operators and. Camilla got promoted to a better job. It's the same plot. You know what I mean? It's not like she gets crushed by the industry hurting women. It's just uh, she struck out at the thing she tried to do and just kind well, yes, of. Yes, but she's also like clearly being played by the other woman. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. She's the 
the end of the day, she's being played by everybody in this movie. If that's the if that's the interpretation you want to go with, like oh sure, sure, sure. She everybody and everybody they know is playing her, and you know that that leads to the situation. No, no, no. And, I, I agree. I'm. I guess what I'm saying is like it's the conflict is between those people and not like the system that they're living in. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. Uh, but again, the system encourages people to act like that. Do we see the system encouraging people to act like that in this movie? Well, the mob is there. I don't know. The what's there? But I think the mob. But sure. It, I, but that's just know. encouraging just someone to get to hired, think about. You know? Right. I guess if you take away all context, sure. But like the, if you are invoking the the ways that Hollywood chews and spits people up and out, right. like other people are also going to chew you up and spit you out. Like sure. I I don't think you could get away from like the that context and say like this movie does not suggest that because the movie's about that like and but also yeah. the people are doing it too yeah I, I guess i would have just liked to see a little bit more of the movie drawing that line instead of leaving you to draw it yourself you know what i mean yeah but that's the movie sure yeah i i just think that a lot of the interpersonal drama is so kind of eventually like left up to your interpretation sure that you could kind of read it as a lot of different things of who is in the wrong and who is in the right sure uh that i think it makes any kind of commentary on larger like societal and like specific to hollywood like power structures and the way that you know, fundamentally, capitalism, like, encourages people to war with each other. Right. Yes. That it... I think that the relationships between these people are, like, so, you know, muddled in a way that's very intentional that I don't think it necessarily works at that. Yeah. Yeah. Sure, but you can interpret it any way you want. I mean, that's well, that's sure. the thing. Like... Yeah, no, yeah, and I I guess I am seeing that as a failing. And I know that that's what this movie is, but, like, it's it, just part of the reason why I'm not a fan of this movie as much as you two. Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. It's just I like enough about the movie that it that doesn't sink it for me. Uh, anyway, yeah, the everyone in the room fucking loves Betty, except, weirdly, the director. He's just like, he, he seems like he wasn't even paying attention. He's like, oh... Yeah, yeah he good. Yeah, huh? yeah. He's like, you were a bit too, like, you know, real, but like, you know, you did that in a real way. It was a little forced, but not very good. Yeah, and then the two casting agents, like, the casting agent and her assistant is like, takes her out and she's like, yeah, that movie's never getting fucking made. All those people are losers. Yeah, that movie's a piece of fucking shit, but you, Betty, you're pretty all right. Yeah, come with us. We got a different us. movie we'll, we'll you can try out for. We'll a real movie. Not that dumb turd. Uh, and then smash cut to some kind of 50s radio studio? Nah, it's a movie set. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, get like- yeah, this is this is very much like, uh, if I'm go- you know, going to talk about like how, you know, David Lynch as the, a filmmaker seeing this. Yeah. This is supposed to very much like mirror the, the Club Silencio section. Yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot where- of scenes in this movie where like someone is- D- performing, but then as it pulls out, like, oh, actually, it it was a performance. Yeah. Uh, 
and you know, like this is interchangeable people lip syncing to the same song, and you know, the Club Silencio thing—they tell you that there is no band. The you know, this right. is all recording. Yeah, but it is more emotionally affecting for them than right. Yeah, this, this is... where everyone is just like looking at it, like, all right, next. <laughs> Yeah, because it like pulls like it starts off a close up of the the singer's face, and then as the camera just slowly keeps pulling back, you see okay, she's in a recording studio, but actually that recording studio is just a set inside of a like movie set. And uh, yeah, this is Adam's movie, the Sylvia North story, that uh, you know he's doing the auditions for, um, and the casting agents bring Betty in. He kind of looks back and sees her, and they kind of make eye contact for a moment, like what oh. Hmm. Huh. Well, yeah, you definitely get the idea that like that would have been an ongoing plot in the TV version of this. The, you immediately understand the plot of the TV version is that uh, Betty should be the one starring in Adam's movie, and they just need yeah. to connect with each other. Like that would be what the plot yeah. of the show was. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. I, I what, thought he was just going to hire her here, and that's that's how things go bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, I. The, I listened to like a podcast episode with, by a podcast I actually mainly like called like it was like the evolution of horror. Uh huh. And they were, yeah did this in Inland Empire and it, the guy was like yeah there's never really horror movies I just love them. Uh, you know fair. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the thing Describe about a podcast it, you do whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah. Describe uh, this as the perfect movie. Uh, I, I would have agreed with him until I rewatched it this weekend. <laughs> uh. But the only reason I, the reason I bring this up is to laugh at this dude because he was like, yeah, then like they have like this really great like cute like meet cute moment where like there's like such so much romance palpable between the two of them. I don't think that's untrue. Uh, there's, there's something happening there. I think that yeah. is definitely the original intention behind this scene that then has a different context because of the way yeah, this when movie it goes exists. the other way. Yeah. yeah, right. And then he was just like, yeah, then the like. The lesbian stuff comes out of nowhere. <laughs> well, that's just how straight people talk. Right. Yeah, it was, it was, it, it was just like, oh, straight people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he's he kind of talks with this actress that did the uh, the song we came in on. And, uh, you know, she's cool. She, yeah, she uh, is assuming that, you know, she's like, you know that this part's for me. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, but you know, like Hollywood. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, it's just such a good script. I can't wait to do it. Ah. He's like, ah, hey, I love you, but they're not going to let me tell anybody yes till I hear everybody. So, you know, I'll be in touch. Uh, anyway, where's that mob girl? <laughs> hey, the mob girl's next. Yeah, mob girl's next. Camilla Rhodes is here. I I like uh, Justin Theroux's acting when he's like just kind of like casually smoking and then he hears the name Camilla Rhodes. He's like, uh, okay, right. well, is she ready? Yep. Like, he just kind of like gets a beat of like, ah, fuck. God yeah. damn it, she is here. Yeah. And yeah, I I do really like his delivery on she's the girl. Yeah. yeah so yeah, he brings her in. Uh, you know, Adam, I don't want to tell you how to do your job. Seems to me like if you're, you know, doing auditions, you'd want everyone to sing the same song, but that'd be a boring movie, so that's fine. Uh <laughs> he's seeing how well they lip sync. I guess that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um Yeah, you know, she's fine. She's not doing bad. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he says like, "Oh, get the get the guys over here." And one of the executives, and also Angela Battlementi, comes over, and he's kind of like stares him dead in the eye. and Goes, "This is the girl." 
Yeah, and he's Angela like, I know, I said like, the damn thing. Yeah, and like very good, you know, very good choice. Uh, Angela Bellamy comes up and says, "Say the line, Bart." <laughs> this guy is. This is the girl. <laughs> this is a John Wick guy to me. No, yeah, that. <laughs> him saying excellent choice, sir, is the same way the sommelier would say it. Absolutely, yes. Uh, and, yeah, the casting agents are, like, looking to get Betty into audition for this, not knowing it's fixed. Uh, but she freaks out and realizes that it's late, and she she just needs to go, yeah, she's gotta get out of here. It's, it's, yeah, I just remember that I have to go investigate a murder. Yep, I gotta go do a murder mystery, bye! And, and then she uh, meets yeah. a different lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, her and Rita... She's like, oh, right, I'm gay, fuck. Right, yeah, Sorry. shit. <laughs> Heard me to go to Diane Selwyn's house. There's, like, some guys parked out in front of the, the apartment complex, so that's weird. Um, and uh, they kind of pull around back and just start sneaking through. It's, like, it's apartments, but they're separate buildings. Like, it's, like, almost like yeah. mini condos or something. It, it is, you know, in the same way that, you know, we, we'll see at the end where Diane lives here. Like, that. this is the negative version of the Sunset Boulevard one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Where that is looks like a fucking like TV set, right? This looks like a CSI crime scene set. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so they're just creeping around. There's like weird guys in suits standing around, but they're actually just doing normal shit. <laughs> but yeah, they're getting uh, paranoid. Or if you, or if you uh, like me and Luke, I don't know why you are invoking this. <laughs> I don't know why you. I don't know why you're dragging this dead brat into our home, Ashley. <laughs> because what, what we talked ha- about it on Twitter a bunch. <laughs> The Phil Crit Hulk thing, he just is like, this oh. movie's Inception. Though, like, that's the, the subconscious are... trying to, like, wake her up. Right. It's like, you God, you idiot. <laughs> uh, anyway, they go to Diane Selwyn's address, but Diane Selwyn isn't there. Some other lady is whose name we don't get. And she's yeah. like, oh, no, me and Diane switched places. Switch yeah. places. Do you Switched. get switched places? Places. She's at my apartment. Uh, here, I'll go with you because she's got some of my stuff. I need to get back. Yeah, she's just uh, credited as woman in like apartment twelve. Yeah, I mean that's accurate. <laughs> she is there. She's yeah. right there in apartment twelve. It says it right there on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. They're they're bummed out she's coming with them because they want to snoop. But luckily she gets a phone call that she has to answer. So mm-hmm. they head on down and the door's locked. But uh Betty decides to just climb in through a window. Uh yep. yeah. Uh this was like a, yeah, like another thing where I was like reading stuff and like, well the reason why she gets a call is because Betty's subconscious doesn't want her. And it's like you don't you could just enjoy the like the scene of the movie. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like but that's that, also not her. Like, what do you mean? What? What? I don't. What? What do you mean? The reason oh, she oh, gets like a call. That, that, like, the reason that that girl gets called is this is Betty's dream, and that would interrupt the. <laughs> oh, okay. Her like her yeah. story, which and, like, like that like that tracks. Yeah. Like I can't tell you that's wrong, but also it doesn't matter. So why are we stupid. wasting time on it? Yeah, like it. It. It seems like you're just. It's like we've talked about spending way too much time uh, trying to like figure out things and like solve it completely than like 
understanding the movie. Like, it starts with a POV shot of someone going to sleep, and then near the end, there's a scene of somebody waking up, and everything changes after that. That's all you need. You don't gotta find every little bit to support the theory, because it's pretty straightforward. Uh, but yeah, so they get into Diane's apartment, and uh, there's it stinks real bad in here, because as they're creeping around... They just find a rotting corpse in the bed, and they freak the fuck out, understandably, and get out of there. I, yep. I don't know if it is a full creation or if uh, it's like a like makeup job. Either way, extremely well made. Yeah, it is an upsetting thing to look at. Yes. Yeah, it's not good. This this was more upset, like scary to me, and like more of like a jump scare, even though I knew it was coming. Yeah. Than the 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 man behind the. Uh huh. Uh, the, the Winkies. Right, right. Uh, I also, yeah, like, there's a knock on the door while they're freaking out, but then they run out through the front door and there's no one there. That's good. I like it. Yeah. It's weird shit going on. And, like, yeah, like, they are doing, like, a bunch of after images and... Yeah, like, the film starts getting weird and fucked up, and then we cut to Rita, like, trying to cut her hair in the sink, and Betty's like, no, stop let, it. Let, let, let me do it. I I get it, but you need to let me help you. And uh, you, ever, you ever single white female yourself? <laughs> <laughs> Rita, I've got a great idea. What if we just make you look like me? Listen, uh, gay people love to date themselves. <laughs> <laughs> just like pulls her into the mirror, like into the view of the mirror. It's like ah, oh, yeah, you look like someone else. And she just has the exact same haircut as her. Uh, and then it cuts to that night, Betty's laying in bed in her jams, and, uh, Rita comes in, and she's like, hey, 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 you don't gotta keep sleeping on that dang couch, this bed's real big, why don't you come lay down with me? But, but there's only one bed! <laughs> there's only one bed! There's only one bed. It's big, though. It's a big bed, just come lay down this, in this it This is also, me. yeah, great fanfic trope. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the escalation of it being like, hey, why don't you just come lay in bed with me to read and be like, all right, fuck it, and just like throws her towel off and is naked. Yeah. yeah. You, like, you don't need to wear that. She, I, she does also say, like, please take off the wig. Yeah, she's like, you don't gotta wear that inside. She's like, yeah, I know. I was just looking at myself in the mirror. I'll take it off to sleep. Just getting used to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so then they, they're just laying in bed together, and uh... Rita, yeah, kisses her on the forehead, and then Betty kisses her on the mouth. Yeah, and uh, then they just keep kissing, and Rita starts taking Betty's clothes off. Yeah. Uh, I'm not usually this person, but when she takes off the towel and she is naked, I was like, my fucking god. (laughs) Good lord. Women. Women! Your jaw kind of dropped to the floor and your tongue unfurled like a red carpet? Yeah, a little bit like that. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. You started making, like, uh, steamboat whistle sounds? Yeah, I, yeah, I said a wooga aloud. Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> sort of beating yourself I, over the I, head of a mallet. You don't have to I, keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I really like the line where Betty asks, like, have you done this before? And Rita's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Killer bit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, I, like, both, like, as a bit, and then, like, her, like, this moment of her, like, having amnesia and, like, not really understand, like, it's, I think it's a moment where, like, 
Laura Herring act, like actually plays the amnesia really well. Yeah. Where she's like, I don't know if this was something that the old me would do, but I want to do it. And like, so does that like change who I like? She's right. like playing a lot of really interesting stuff in this like one joke line. Yeah, yeah. That uh, do we like? Do we want to start talking about the stuff you were referring to, Ashley? Uh, I was going to refer to it when we uh, like get to the dinner scene. Oh, maybe we're talking about different things then. Oh, because I was uh, talking about like I've definitely oh, read some quotes from both of them. Like, okay, uh, yeah, we're doing the sex scene, huh? Okay, well. Yeah, I no, I have a different. I thought you were talking about like just like my, inter, my thoughts on all the gay shit. Oh, 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 oh! No, I was talking about but, the stuff with with. I mean, go ahead if you want. Yeah. Um, but no, that's also. I also have another scene that apparently was uncomfortable to film. Yes. Yeah. There definitely got more about that scene you're talking about. I definitely though read a quote from Laura Herring of like. Yeah, I was real nervous about this. I was, like, in tears in the dressing room before we shot this. And then, you know, we did it. It was just really awkward. Uh, and then David told us, now don't be afraid to touch each other's breasts now. And that was the take he used, and that was the end of the quote. <laughs> yeah, there's so many stories about, uh, you know, early actresses being in... Uh, you know, lesbian or, you know, girl-on-girl scenes in yeah. dramatic movies. And, you know, there's reasons why it is girl always two women and not ever two men. Right, of course, yep. Uh, and, you know, like, how have they felt uncomfortable in scenes doing this? Yeah. Uh, the most kind of infamous one is Blue is the Warmest Color, where they were basically like, uh, like, oh... Like, uh, sh- like we were basically like filming the scene, and then they kept pushing it till we like realized we were just making pornography. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like yeah. that's not something that either of us signed up for, but you know, we filmed it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've talked on here in general. What I've read is most women having very positive things to say about working with David Lynch, even Naomi Watts, very yeah. positive things to say about David Lynch. But there's, it, it doesn't sound like he maybe was very good. <laughs> With regards and, to the sex stuff in this movie. Seems like and, none of the actors involved really love doing it. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of these interviews with Naomi Watts are 15 years later. Right, so it's, it's not clear, like, is is it just that she's over it, and so she can kind of, like, laugh about it now, or is, yeah, who knows? And, you know, at the time, she has, you know, repeatedly stated that this was... She was almost up, and this was her big chance. Right, yeah. And turning down a director. Right. Uh, you know, even if David Lynch, you know, hadn't had, like, a big mainstream hit. Yeah. He's the Twin Peaks guy. You know, he's a huge right. guy. Right. And, you know, as we can, as we see, people can get replaced. Totally. Um, yeah. It's, it's not... Great, and yeah, we can talk about it more when we get to that scene you're talking about. Uh, I don't know nothing about nothing. I will say it seems like if she was really like, no, this this was really not okay, and I was not comfortable with it, and I'm like, yeah, fuck that guy, but I have to do this. I don't know that she shows up at his house to wear a fursuit and do a web series where she's a bunny rabbit. That seems like you just like, no, yeah. don't fucking call me, weirdo. I don't know. Uh okay. 
the the power stuff happening in all of this stuff is so layered and varied and you know it's totally. why oh there's been a lot of very smartly written stuff about it that i yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not trying to say like, well therefore that means everything was fine like i don't know yeah uh, I, I i like read something where it's like well she like said in the criterion interview that like she like laughed after she said it so it's totally cool <laughs> And right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like. I don't believe necessarily that far, but yeah, there. It's. It seems like he stepped over a line and uh, kind of upset her, but like they got over it. It seems like. Yeah. But yeah, we'll never know because we're not those people and don't know them. Yes. I, say, I don't have much to say about this because it's all just like speculating on a it's thing. It's all purely speculation. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh. Anyway. Yeah. They have sex. And uh, then go to sleep. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Liked it. Five yeah. stars. <laughs> if this was an adult time, I'm giving it. <laughs> I'm downloading it, baby. <laughs> I did. Like, on this topic, I did see a quote from Naomi. I was like, yeah, it was kind of awkward at the time, but, like, I just watched it for the first time in 15 years. It is pretty hot, though. It is pretty hot, though. <laughs> they do a good job. Uh, but yeah, then they go to sleep, but, uh, uh, Rita's just laying in bed, eyes, like, uh, wide open, and is just having, like, a night terror or something, where she just keeps saying silencio over and over. Silencio. Yeah. Uh, and silencio. she's, like, getting louder and louder until she wakes Betty up, and, uh, she kind of shakes Rita out of it, and Rita knows that they need to go somewhere right now, even though it's the middle of the night. And, uh... uh I, I I will say that, and I I don't even know if, how intentional this was, but no one has looked like two sex workers. Oh, sure, when they're getting than, in the car. When they're getting in the car, then Naomi Watson, Laura Herring in that scene. <laughs> uh, it's also weird because, like, yeah, this scene of them getting in the cab, like, immediately, like, the way it's filmed is different because now, like, like the lights are out of focus in a way that they wouldn't have been like fifteen minutes ago. You know what I mean? And, like, we don't, like, fade out of this. The scene just kind of, like, gets blurrier and blurrier until it's a different scene now. Uh, As they're just driving off to Club Silencio. Uh, I really like the Evil Dead zoom in to Club Silencio. Oh, yeah, the shot where, like, yeah, it's a very, like, far away shot of them walking in. But then the camera, like, zooms in real quick behind them to, like, get in the door with them. It's, yeah. Fun fact... Cinematographer, this Peter Deming, the cinematographer for Evil Dead Two. Hey, there you go. Also uh, worked on you know Twin Peaks, uh, Lost Highway. You watch. I I've heard a lot of people say that these are very similar films. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're both m- movies about somebody that kills their lover and then becomes a different person. Yeah. Uh, and also he was the cinematographer for. Austin Powers, uh, International Man of Mystery, and Goldmember. Great, what a resume! <laughs> but not the, but not the second movie. Not the second. <laughs> weird. Is weird. Okay. Uh, Spy you shag me. That's you know that's dog shit. The other two. What the beautiful other two cinema. Bangers, yeah. <laughs> well, it's like the guy who like did Jurassic Park, like Roger Rabbit cinematographies, is now like just like doing like the like, uh, chip wrecked. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, you, you take whatever work you can get. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they come into the club, which is like a fancy little theater on the inside, and there is a yeah. scary magician on stage. 
There Just is a club them. in Paris themed after Club Silencio. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, and this guy just keeps going, No, I banda! There is no band! And yet we hear a band. We can hear a clarinet. But that's just a recording. Whoa. But maybe... uh, Yeah. This, to me, is, like, the most, like, David Lynch going, like, well, you see the thing that Adam's working on where, you know, it's all these ladies singing this 50s song. Sure. But it's, like, a normal 50s song. Right. That's... That's, you know, Hollywood. Club Silencio, that's my movies, where I tell you that it's fake, and, you know, it's all weird and shit, and the 50s song has, like, a weird spin on it, but it's, you know, more emotionally, you know, investing. Yeah, I guess so. I didn't really see it as, like, a contrast so much as, like, an escalation of it. Like, that starts off, right, it looks like a singer, and then you see it's, like, actually a movie set or whatever, and this is just... Pushing that idea further. Yeah, I just think it's more of that. I don't think it's a like dichotomy. All right, I a hundred percent see as a dichotomy, but like this, it's a very open to interpretation film, right? And I, as someone who is very interested in the making of films, right, uh, am going to see it a certain way, I guess, (laughs) right? It it Uh, very much scene fucking goes. Oh, this scene fucking goes, but yeah, definitely. One way or the other, this scene is like, hey, movies, they're fake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, yeah, if, if top three, it's the diner, cowboy, this. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. God, that hitman scene's really funny, though. I, I think I think Silencio's number one for me personally, but yeah, I don't know if I'd rank him in that order, but yeah, I, I would I would say those are the ones in the in the running for top three. Yeah. Um. It's, yeah, I, I I don't know even if I would rank them in that order. I just kind of that's the order I said them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Let's see what they happen. Yeah. Because uh, now the guy's like, ah, we can hear a muted trumpet, and then like a guy comes out playing a trumpet, and he's just playing away at this trumpet, but then he stops playing, but the music keeps going. No, a bad I what? How many times I gotta fucking tell you people? It's all a tape. And then he just starts doing, like, uh, fucking uh, The Magician's Apprentice Mickey Mouse moves, where he just starts pointing at random spots in the theater, and the trumpet keeps going. And then he casts a spell on Betty. (laughs) Yeah, as the spell of Shake really hard. He just, like, starts waving his arms, like, blue lights start flickering, and Betty just starts, like, convulsing in her chair. Uh, And then he uh, dissolves into a puff of smoke. Yeah. Yeah, whips. Yeah, it rules. Uh, uh, and then Cookie's here as the MC. Yeah, Cookie's that's here. He... That's my man. <laughs> I was so uh, excited, dude. I'd know that mustache was... anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I... Cookie just has, a, we said it before, he just has an amazing look. Yeah. Love yeah, this man. He just comes out in like an all red suit and introduces, uh, what's his name? Club Silencio presents. Uh, Rebecca Del Rio. Yeah, but he has like a name for her. Like she's got like a fucking like like the the crying voice of Los Angeles or something, uh, and yeah, adding more to the weirdness of the scene. That yeah, like Rebecca Del Rio is playing herself in this yeah, scene they, where everything's fake. Yeah, and this performance, though, like the recorded performance that they're using. Yeah. Do you know this the one story? She made, right? Uh, I know a story, uh, but go ahead. What were you gonna say, Molly? 
Nothing. Go ahead. Uh, I this apparently like there's someone like going like, oh, David Lynch apparently wants to meet you like years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, they like eventually met up in like a studio like where like David Lynch was like with you know Angela Badalamenti yeah. recording music because mm-hmm. David Lynch also just does music too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Angela Badamanti does, like, non-soundtrack work. Right. Uh, and she's saying this for him. Right. And they I ended up... I would die. <laughs> yeah. Of course he was like, yeah, yeah, this is yeah, great. Yeah, I think his reaction was basically like, well, that was the best thing that's ever happened to me. We gotta figure out how to put that in a movie. <laughs> yeah. But unknown to her, they recorded it. Oh. Oh. And that's the recording. Oh. That is used in the movie. Huh. I mean, she must be cool with it, because she's there. Oh, no, like, I, yeah, I think she's cool. I think they told her probably right after. Right. Uh, like, oh, hey, by the way, we were, the tape was rolling. Right. Uh, you know what, because that, a lot of times when people are recording albums and shit. Yeah. They just keep it rolling forever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. But, like, yeah, like, I, I guess that was coming into, like, or at least after I heard that, I was, like, solidifying some of, like, my readings. Like, oh, yeah, like, the fakeness and, like, you know, everything here is fake. But, like, the song that she's, like, actually turns out to be lip-syncing is from a real moment. Right, right. That, you know, wasn't meant for film. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, like, it's very much, like, the point of this scene is that the cinema is magical, if you think about it. Because, like... It- this is about the magic of the movies. This is about the magic of the movies because they have now told you so many times, hey, the performances here are fake. No live music is happening. We've shown you an example of tricking you. Now here comes Rebecca Del Rio. And even though you know it's fake, yeah, you, it, it's hard to yeah, believe yeah, it's she, fake. <laughs> yeah, she is going to entrance you with her singing. Yeah, like it still surprises me at least when she stops singing. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, like, she is, like, crying about it. Uh, like, you know, like, all, like, you know, like, the, she, Rebecca's crying about it, and the two women are crying about it. Yeah. But, you know, it is this fake moment that is very much real. Right, and, like, the song she's singing is a, like, breakup song uh, by Roy Orbison. Yeah, um, Roy Orbison's crying, when, you know, like, it is, like, a 1950s. Yeah, yeah. Um... And yeah, they're they are just like so emotionally like invested. They're crying at her singing, and then she doesn't just stop singing. She like collapses on the stage and has to get like dragged off by Cookie as the singing just continues. And they're both just like, oh, like what? Oh God, what? Uh, they're just yeah, yeah kind of I, devastated I guess that's by it. Why I read like the earlier scene as like more of a mirror than a like, escalation. Sure. Right, sure. Whereas, like that one, ah, we're just faking it. But like this one, even though we're telling you we're faking it, we're you know, it's it still gets you. And it may be the difference between you know seeing the like the the making of it than seeing the the audience version of it. That's also a way right. to read it. Yeah, I mean, you you if you really wanted to, you could also read it as like making movies versus like stage work. L- yeah, sure, definitely. Yes. It, it's just a different audience. Right. Um, uh, I definitely, I, in a, like, larger queer reading of this, which I, I mainly disagree with, 
which uh, said that like Silentio represents like a is a queer bar. Oh, I mean, well, it's not a bar at all. Yeah, quite yeah, frankly, like like it's like supposed to represent like a gay bar, and it's like I don't think that's what it's going for at all. Yeah, no, because I I would say what it's going for is that Betty has sex with Rita, she gets everything she wanted, and then she goes to a club where she gets told that everything's fake. <laughs> and that's when, like, this reality collapses into the other one where she's miserable. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, yeah, like, th- that also, it was saying that, like, because of the the weird timiness and, like, the way that it's structured, the movie itself is queer, and I just, like... Ah, come on now. <laughs> yeah, like, I get what you're trying to do here, but, like, sure. yeah. <laughs> uh... But yeah, Betty is just, like, crying and reaches over for her purse, and now all of a sudden... All of a sudden, uh, the Curiosity app is in there. <laughs> That's so I true. Thought, I thought of that joke during the movie, I was like, I gotta say this joke. <laughs> of all the things! <laughs> I know! We gotta keep going, folks. It's been nearly three hours. I have work tomorrow. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh, she has a mysterious blue box with a hole that perfectly fits Rita's weird key. Yeah. So they immediately rush home, and uh, Betty like sets the box down on the bed and then walks out of frame as Rita gets the uh, key out. But then when we come back, like Betty's just gone, and Rita's like calling for her, and she's just nowhere. So Rita just kind of like freaked out, a little scared, but she grabs the key and unlocks the box and looks inside of it. And the camera zooms in to the darkness of the box. And then the box falls away and hits the floor. Yeah. And Rita's no one gone. There. No one was ever there. Yeah. And Aunt Ruth comes around the corner to look around because she thought she heard a little bump. But now even the box is gone. The whole reality has just been, just been slooped away. Just slopped off. Just whoop, gone. Uh, and then now the movie gets weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is interesting that the movie gets like more surreal when it quote unquote gets out of the dream. Yeah, yeah. Like more fantastical things happen in the quote unquote dream section with like the goofy hitman sequence or all the mobster movie guy stuff. But the way the film is like presented in this part is much more. Like, unmoored. Yeah, David Lynch weirdness. David Lynch weirdness, absolutely. Uh, Because, yeah, we, like, crossfade from Aunt Ruth's apartment into Diane's uh, bedroom, where she's just laying there, not a rotting corpse, but she's in, like, the same position. And the cowboy knocks on the door. This is the first time we've seen him since then. So maybe we did good. Yeah. Everything seems to be happening great, so I don't know. And then he says, hey, pretty girl, time to wake up. And then it cuts back to her, and she's a corpse now, and it cuts back to the cowboy. He's like, ah, oh, yikes. Ooh, interrupt ooh, ooh. I'm not dealing Sorry, with this. I guess I have to come back later. Yeah, well, <laughs> maybe maybe I gotta come back again. Seems like you might have did bad. Uh, uh, and then, yeah, it cuts to Diane Selwyn, played by Naomi Watts. Laying in bed uh, as someone is just, like, furiously knocking on her door. And she just kind of slowly gets up and puts a robe on. Uh, 
Naomi Watts and also the makeup people on this movie do a real good fucking job of making Diane and Betty seem like completely different people. Yeah. Like, they don't even exactly look the same, even though it's the same person. Yeah. It's good. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, just, like, the costuming of her, like, fucking, like, her, like, beautiful robes in her aunt's apartment versus the, like, ratty, dirty robe that she's currently in. Right, right. Uh, yeah, the the lady from 12 shows up. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, you said you returned my shit? Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's like, yeah, I just fucking put it in a box over there. Yeah, Fuck you. Fucking, it's in a box. Uh, and uh, they're like, oh, that, that's my ashtray also, the funny piano ashtray. I'm like, okay, take it then, idiot, get out. Uh, and there's a blue key on the coffee table. We don't know what that could mean quite yet. Yeah. Uh, Ashley, did you tweet the question I, post again? I had scheduled the question post earlier in the day. Uh, I thought earlier in the day, but I accidentally did it. Oh, oopsie. At 10 p.m. instead of 10 a.m. Yeah, it's not going to be good. Nope. I I just deleted it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, and yeah, the, the woman kind of just gets her stuff together and heads out and uh, does mention that those cops were by again looking for you. So might want to do something about that. Uh, and then Naomi Watts just get to do some fucking acting for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Where she, like, goes to the counter and then turns and just, like, is, like, shuddering with joy because, hey, Camilla's over there. But that's, wait, that's Laura Heron. That's, that's Rita, I thought. Oh, dang. Oh, dang. Some weird stuff's happening here. Um, and then her, like, joy just turns to, like, devastation and it cuts back to where Camilla was. And now it's also Diane standing there. And that's, like, our transition into a flashback where her and Camilla were uh, having sex on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Am I... I thought I saw the key in this scene. No, the key's not in this scene. Oh, yeah, the the ashtray is. The ashtray is to establish this happened before the scene we just saw. Because we just saw the ashtray get taken away. Yeah. Right. Uh, So, yeah, they're just on the couch and, like... uh, Diane kind of climbs on top of Camilla and they're talking and at first Camilla is just kind of into it but then she suddenly swaps and says we should stop doing this which makes Diane angry and kind of just starts getting rough with her like starts trying to like forcefully have sex with her and Camilla has to kind of shove her off Uh, we get a cut to Adam making a movie with Camilla Rhodes, the real, or this Camilla Rhodes, at least. Yeah. Uh, and Betty is not, like, some, or, I'm sorry, Diane is not, like, uh, some surprise, like, immediate, like, incredible actress. She's just, like, an extra on set, just watching. Yeah, and uh, Adam is, you know, doing the thing you're never supposed to do as a director, which is giving your actors lines and... <laughs> You know, really like, just yeah, like get out of the fucking car. Let me show you how to do it. I can do it. And because I want to kiss my girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like Adam's like, okay, no, we, we got to get the scene right. Everyone get out of here. And Camilla's like, well, hold on. Can Diane stay? Uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, yeah. Camilla's very into cucking Diane. <laughs> Extremely. Yeah. That's her main. That, frankly, that's the only thing we know about Camilla as a character. Yeah. It's pretty much true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we get, like, a shot of them, like, yelling at each other through a door. Uh, and then we get 
Uh, Diane sobbing and masturbating on her couch. Yeah, uh, this yeah. was the other scene that has... Yes. Uh, yeah, so you know this also, yeah, yeah, yeah. but, um, yeah, uh, Naomi Watts did not like filming the scene, both for the reasons that you mentioned earlier, Luke. Right. Of, you know, feeling uncomfortable with, you know, the way that, like, maybe that they were directed and all of this stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, also, she all- signed on originally to do an ABC TV show, and now she's like, ah, so now you need to do a scene where you're sobbing and masturbating. And I would also be maybe a little like, what, what? Yeah, and you know we're gonna we're gonna get close. <laughs> yeah, uh, but also she was incredibly sick this day. Yeah, yeah, and like just constantly was telling like David Lynch like I really don't want to do this. Right, and he's just was going okay, but also not turning the camera but, like, off. Not, yeah, and just like all right, we're still filming. Right. All right, we're still filming. And like you said, like. The Criterion disc has that interview where she's telling that story, and, like, she's kind of laughing about it. And is that because time has passed? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, is that because, you know, this was the movie that made her, so... (laughs) Right. Impossible to say. Yeah. Uh, He does seem in that interview, because it's it's him and her together, and when she brings up that she was sick, he's like, wait, you were? Oh, shit. Like, he seems like, like he feels bad about that part of it and no other part of it. Yeah. Even though she said to him at the time that she was sick. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but th- she does also say in the interview, like, oh, I was just, like, you know, butterflies, because, like, of course it was, because I have to masturbate on camera. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, 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 and again, I would not say that uh, he is anywhere close to, like, Kubrick levels. Sure, but again, yeah, it's... But also, it shouldn't be like... Yeah. It, I yeah. was not thrilled to hear those stories. Yeah. Rego- because, again, yeah, yeah, they're getting laughed off, but also, of course, they are... Yeah, like, after we hear, like, we're talking about, you know, Cheryl Lee and, like... Yeah. We were like, oh, she did all of this kind of stuff, but, like, she wanted to do it, ex- like, extremely, but, like, it's probably unhealthy and probably someone should have stopped. Yeah. Or like the, I forget her name, but the woman in Lost Highway talked about, like, I signed up to do this movie because there's a nude scene, and, like, I have anxiety about that, but, like, I specifically want to, like, challenge myself, and, wow, David Lynch was just, like, extremely accommodating and made sure everybody was respectful of that, and this and that, like, just very effusive about how respectful he was. This is not of a piece with with that story, I'd say. No, no, yeah. Like, he definitely, they talk about, like, oh, you, they built, like, a tent around me, so it was just, like, me and the camera and the crew people couldn't watch me do it. But, like, doesn't seem like that was enough. Seems like maybe you didn't. I don't know if you needed the masturbation scene. Yeah, it doesn't really add anything. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like, I get it. Like, she's having just, like, a breakdown. Like, yeah. You're just seeing her spiraling. And, like, I do, like... It's a kind of shocking scene to see it just go to that, because that's just not something you see in movies very much. Uh, but I think if it wasn't there, you wouldn't be like, man... I feel like really masturbation, needed. though. That movie would have been better if there was a masturbation scene. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, and, like, yeah, hearing that, like, after... And, like, I was already feeling weird about, like, some of the couch, like casting call stuff. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, kind of made, it made me feel weirder. Yeah, I I can see that totally. It's uh, it is not a very uh, flattering story to David Lynch. Yeah. 
we cut to a different point in time where uh, she's getting a phone call on that phone by the red lampshade that David Lynch told us we needed to pay attention to to unlock this thriller. All right, David. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, because this was the phone that was being rung by the chain of, like, weird shadowy Hollywood guys. But actually yeah. it was Camilla wanting her to, uh, you know, come down to the car and come to the party. To Mulholland Drive. Yeah, it's on Mulholland Drive. We got a limo coming for you and everything. And, uh, and the limo stops, and we don't stop here. <laughs> right, we get a recreation of the first scene, except instead of the guys pulling guns on uh, uh, Diane, um, Camilla shows up and escorts her out, and it's like a beautiful... I wish, I wish they gave, like, little party horns instead. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made this movie better. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been good. Um, yeah, Camilla comes out, and, like, it's just kind of this beautiful moment. She kind of, like, leads her through the woods, and it's just kind of magical. But, like, she's leading her to Adam Kesher's house because it's their party. Yeah, it's their, it's, like, their announcement that they're getting engaged. Yeah, yeah, that they've... Uh, yeah. Uh, I find it interesting, and, like, I definitely had maybe, like, one of, more of those readings beforehand. Mm -hmm. And then, like, have heard... The other in a lot. Uh, it's interesting that you can get both the uh, bisexual that plays around with women until it, but stays with a man. Uh-huh. And the psychotic lesbian trope in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can't, I, can't, I can't tell you you're wrong. Those I are just don't think. Here. just don't think it's that harsh. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're here. Uh, Coco in this reality is Adam's mom. Uh, and she's kind of the only one paying Diane any attention at this party. She's kind of like having... Like with mainly pity. Yes. Yeah. She clearly pities this girl. Uh, and like, Coco seems to understand that she got brought here because Camilla loves cucking her and she thinks that's real fucked up. <laughs> like, why, why did you bring her here? This sucks. Yeah. Because uh, she just kind of keeps shooting, like, dirty looks at Camilla and uh, Adam. Like, this is... You're not cool. Not good. Yeah. Uh, but she's telling her story about, like, yeah, she won a jitterbug contest. And somehow that led into her kind of wanting to pursue a career in acting. And her aunt, instead of giving... Like, letting her stay in her apartment, died and left her some money that she used to move to L.A. And she tried out for some movies. She tried out for the same movie as Camilla, but Camilla got the lead role, and... The, the, the one that they're casting in the previous half, like, previous three quarters of the movie. Yeah, it is, it's the Sylvia North story, which is the one Adam's working on, but I think also they named the director, and it's the director from Betty's audition scene. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um... Which, like, when you think about in that scene where he was, like, not even paying attention to her audition and just kind of says some random shit after she finishes, like, yeah, that's, that's probably also how it went for Diane. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, uh, Camilla gets the role, and that kind of turns her into a movie star, and, you know, her and Betty are friends, and sometimes Camilla helps her get, like, bit parts in movies. That's, that's nice. And Coco just like, oh, jeez, oh, hon, you gotta... Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, Diane is just kind of like suffering through this party. She's sipping an espresso while she makes eyes at Be Angelo Bellaventi across the room. Yeah. And yeah, I, 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 
all of this really I just didn't like. I just really didn't like. Yeah. Yeah. I like I get I get it. I just didn't like it. Yeah, that's fair. Just didn't do anything for you. Um it it it, it does negative for me. It does negative. I mean, do you like how, how's come? What what's uh, what's like part of it is and I, I talked about it and I talked about it here like the 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 kind of weirdness around uh, queer women and uh-huh. like I I I just messaged you was like I'm not sure what David Lynch thinks about queer women sure uh, and also just like that like now that this like I don't think that this movie is I didn't like. I did not like this movie because it revealed to all be a dream. Sure. But there are definitely, like, it makes it harder for that e- emotional connection at the core of that movie. Mm-hmm. That, you know, the emotional core of Twin Peaks helped me, like, get through some of the more David Lynchian stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially in this when it's, like, the emotional beats are kind of no longer working for me. Right. And the, all of the David Lynchness really starts like ramping up. Uh-huh. Uh, it just kind of like, I was like, all right, I just don't like, I, I get what it's doing. I get like, you know, like the, this, you know, woman falling apart. Right. You know, because of this bad relationship, but like, I just can't bring myself to care about it and mm-hmm. everything in this movie is pushing me away from caring about it, okay. in my opinion. Okay, yeah, no, that's totally valid. Uh, Molly, I can't tell if you're just tired because we've been going for too fucking long or if we're just, like, boxing you out and you haven't had a chance to get a word in much. No, I just think it's good, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean... The, the I, uh, more we talk about it, the more I like it, <laughs> so... <laughs> Just don't have much to add to the just, criticism. Just yeah, diverging. I think further it's just further. working. Yeah, no. I mean, I like it. Uh, it. What I will say as a criticism, kind of going to if you think about it in the dream sense, for instance, like I I think that's fine. I don't think that ruins the movie or anything because then that just means that that whole the the bulk of the movie is more just exploring like Diane's interiority. But what I think this movie is missing is, like, any characterization for Camilla. Because Rita is an amnesiac whose entire thing, we said, like, she doesn't get that much to do. She's mostly just kind of dumbfounded and doe-eyed about everything. And all we know about Camilla is she's mean. And I don't really... I feel like I could get more invested in this relationship falling apart if I understood her as a person more. As opposed to just, like, I fuck you, idiot. Like, Adam, get down on your hands and knees so I can push Diane over top of you. Like, it just seems cruel with no point, and there's people that are like that, but I feel like I would understand where she's coming from more if we spent more time with her. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, and... I think this is just a symptom of, like, well, we filmed 87 minutes of pilot. Right. Guess we gotta add 50 more to do a different thing. Right. Uh, and I think it ends up being a victim of that in that way. I I agree. Yeah. Not that that, like, not that that, like, forgives everything, but no, I, totally. I think but at yes. some point you're making a three-hour movie if you're doing that. No, no. I, yeah, I, I, it, I, I'm, I'm kind of doing the opposite of what I said earlier, where it's like, 
I'm not like trying to explain away something because like oh it's it's just I'm saying that it 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 didn't work for me because yeah no totally yeah the the like the character of Betty and the character of Rita are you know supposedly like how Diane sees themselves but like right it's not any of it doesn't have much connection to the actual characters that the movie ends on yeah and like I said I think if if you're Again, if you're sticking with the the dream thing, which I think is valid, uh, then I I think the way to approach that then is, yeah, that is just giving you more, like, depth and interiority about Diane, which is fine, except that means that you actually know nothing about any other character. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so... But I mean, like, it... Yeah. It's clearly a movie about her. Oh, right? totally, like, totally. Even if you don't get the whole thing, like, you don't necessarily always get the full picture anyway. True. So I think her seeing this seeing this other person is just this cruel woman. Like, right. this is very much one side of a breakup, right? And you yeah, don't get to know true. the other side, and that's just kind of what the movie's about. Uh, yeah, I don't get to know Diane. I don't get to know anyone in this fucking movie. I... We get to know Betty, but Betty is, like, a fucking An blown idealized up. version of it? Yeah, like, of this Hollywood starlet who is, like, doe-eyed and, you know, does, like I said, would do a musical number. Sure, but, I guess, yeah, you, you know Diane through inference based on, okay, if Betty is who she wishes she was, what does that say about her based on what little we right, do see of her? I think you could take, like, the first half of Betty showing up, sure, like, that maybe that shit all happened and then it all just went bad and that's where you end up on this. Like, it's right, just, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like you are seeing maybe two different timelines of what could have been either way. And, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter which one is true. They're both just there. Right, yeah, because you could also, yeah. Similar to what you're saying, you could almost say, like, yeah, give Betty, like, five years living in L.A., she'll be Diane. Yeah, and I I guess a a large part is, like, I think that Naomi Watts is doing a really great, like, acting job. It's just that when taken, like, as a character, neither Diane or Betty is very interesting to me, and that kind of makes this whole movie not work for me. Yeah, I... I think they are they they are interesting to me, but again, I think this movie only hurts watching it so close to Firewalk with me. Because hey, you know who's a way more compelling character than Betty or Diane is Laura fucking Palmer. Yeah, but that's also informed by two seasons of Twin Peaks. Totally, I I oh, don't yeah. disagree. I'm just it saying. Is, I I I am like not, you're not wrong, but it, you know. I am not comparing this to any other to like to Laura Palmer. Yeah. I am comparing this to other two and a half hour long movies that have a main character that's about exploring their mind. Right, sure. And I'm and for exploring so much of her mind, I still feel like I don't know this character. Mm. And hey, maybe that's the point, but it just doesn't work for me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, so uh, the woman that was Camilla in the other reality shows up and starts making out with uh, this Camilla. Oh, who... God. I, I, I have, like, had the movie playing, so I'm, like, seeing all of, like, oh, like, the... Right. Where she's, like, hiring the assassin. And, like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, oh, Jesus, we need to uh, fucking... Yeah, we gotta get back to that fucking dinner party. <laughs> uh, Camilla's, like, making a point of making eye contact with Diane while she makes out with this other woman. Uh, just, 
just loves rubbing Diane's uh, nose in it. And I think at this point, we see the cowboy a second time. Diane's going to do bad. Aw, oh, shit. Yeah, she's in the, he's in, like, the background of this, right? Yeah, he just kind of walks through the party. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, that, I thought that was good. Yeah. Fucking yeah. rules. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this, like, Adam and Camilla are, like, announcing that they're getting married, and that's kind of where we get out of this scene is just, like, Diane it, is like, kind of falling Before they actually the... say what they're doing. Yeah. 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 The clinking of the glasses, uh goes into the breaking glasses at Winkies. Which is a really good scene transition. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why, like, I was, like, so, like, pent up about this movie, is, like, I love so much of the craft of this movie. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, I... And, you know, so many individual scenes work for me. It's just the whole doesn't. And that... It it bumps me out. Um, Yeah. Even if I'm mad now, I'm I'm just more bummed. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, yeah, so she's in Winkies with the hitman who shows her a blue key, but not the fancy one uh, Camilla had, just a normal kind, like what was on her coffee table earlier. And he tells her, like, once you find this blue key, then that's how you know that uh, she's dead. And uh, also we get, like, the repeat of the this is the girl line, except it's Diane explaining this is who she wants murdered. And she's got uh, yeah. the fifth, yeah. She's got, like, a, a actress headshot, and he's like, Jesus, you can't show that. And she's like, it's fucking Hollywood, my guy. Yeah, it's a yeah. headshot. There's, I'll bet you there's ten other of these in this restaurant. Uh, and, yeah, she's got the same pile of money that Rita had in her purse. And she kind of looks over at the counter and sees the guy who had the dream about the scary monster. Who, in his dream, he looked over at that counter and saw a different guy staring at him. And then, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it cuts to uh, the person behind the the Winkies, and they have the little uh, blue cube in a bag. Yeah, they put it in, like, a little, like, brown paper bag and then set it on the ground. And then some fucking, honey, I shrunk the kids' ass old people come some out. Some borrowers come out. <laughs> yeah, just some tiny old people. It's the old people from earlier on. Uh, we see the blue key again, which, you know, I guess, hey, we didn't see a body. Molly's right. But I think Diane thinks the murder happened at the very least. Oh, yeah. yeah like absolutely. That's, yeah, yeah. That's what matters for that. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like sitting on the couch, just kind of like staring at the blue key, uh, freaked out. And uh, then there's a knock on the door. The cops are here to question her. The tiny old people crawl in under the door and then get big and just start chasing her. And uh, there's, like, lightning crackling, and she runs into her, her bedroom and opens a drawer. The blue box is in the drawer, but that's not what she grabs. She grabs a gun and shoots herself. Yeah. Yep. And we see the creepy homeless person. We see bunch uh, of just, a bunch of blue smoke. A bunch of smoke just, like, pouring out of her bed. Uh, we see, like, the L.A. lights again with, like, just superimposed blurry shots of... Uh, Betty and Rita in the blonde wig, kind of just holding each other. And then we get go back to Club Silencio, where the fancy lady with blue hair that we didn't mention up in the orchestra, <laughs> or up in the opera box, just says, Silencio. And that's the movie, baby. And that's the movie. And then the credits are Silencio. Yeah. That's Mulholland Drive. A movie I still think is pretty good. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more I think it just kind of fucking shreds. Yeah, it's it's good. 
The, the more I talk about it, the more I like. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm yeah, right. You're stealing points I'm from stealing Ashley's score to add from to your Ashley, own. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, I don't know if I'd lower it like more than like, like the th- like the three stars or like the five that I gave it. Like that's fair. That's fair. So much of it, like I I do think, is extremely well made and like extremely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I still really enjoy watching it. It doesn't have quite the level of punch for me that it's had in the past, but I cannot say I had a bad time when I sat down to watch this film. Ashley, would you say it's a visually fine film? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> someone, I was with someone at Scarecrow, and they, like, mentioned, like, oh, yeah, they got Thor of the Dark World, and I, I had to stop myself from saying, <laughs> a visually fine film. <laughs> you know, I gotta say, it's not, though. It's not. It's not. It's not. I'm- Crystal, I love you, but that's not a visually fine film. It's not a visually fine film. Looks like shit, man. Just because they built a set doesn't make it a visually fine film. I went, that was the first MCU I saw in a theater, and I was like, what the fuck did you guys drag me out to see? What are you doing here? It's great. And that's why I hate movies. There you go. Uh... Now, the, the real thing is, if I start hating the movies because of this, <laughs> ah, and yes. you start loving the movies. Right. We, we open a blue box, and all of a sudden... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're the one with the letterboxed account with, like, 150 a year. <laughs> right. No, I, I believe I have six movies total rated on Letterboxd. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while since I got, like, mad. That was fun. <laughs> I didn't even realize you were mad. I thought you were just kind of like, eh. Well, when she I kept like, saying she was just bummed, but no, she was mad. Yeah. When I, 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 for me, that was yelling when I said, "You don't learn about anyone." <laughs> oh, sure, fair. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I yeah, I was talking to Molly. I, I don't yell. I'm not a yeller. <laughs> right. You don't have it in you. It's fine. No. You don't have to. That's fair. No. Anyway, we got questions. Please, for the love of God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one question is just, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Yeah. It's kind of a long work day, but then I got to talk about my whole and drive with my buddies. Yeah. That was, yeah, yeah. from Sampano 9. Are you good? Uh, Modron1983 asked if there were any TV pilots, unmade shows that you wish got turned into a series. Uh, oh. Amazing Screw on Head is. Uh, Probably the big one. I don't know if I know any of these. The only one I know, and I remember being really bummed it wasn't a TV show when I was a teenager, but I have not revisited this, was there was, like, a uh, failed pilot for a show starring Jack Black where he hung out with a talking motorcycle. Yeah, it was, like, an early adult swim thing. It was, like, Heat Vision and Jack or something like that. Yeah. And they just, like, you know, drove around and fought aliens or whatever. I remember it being fun, again, when I was, like, 15. Anything Uh, Jack Black does when you're 15 is pretty fun. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, the the Mason Square on Head, it was a uh, animation version of, like, animated version of a uh, Mike Mignola comic Mm -hmm. where they, like, match that uh you know his art style like pretty perfectly for an animated series and it was just about this uh robot with a screw on head uh who fought vampires and other supernatural creatures in like old-timey america uh i looked up uh like you know tv pilots yeah uh that 
And the top one is Heat Vision and Jack. So hey. there you go. <laughs> From a very fine cat. Uh, the one time I tried to watch Mulholland Drive, I fell asleep. Not because it was boring or anything, because I was way too tired to be trying to watch a movie. What's the best movie you've ever fallen asleep during? Oh, boy. That's a I good know question. I have one of these, but I can't think about it. I yeah. do not believe I've ever fallen asleep watching a movie. But that's probably because ad- I just don't watch that many movies. I will admit, I, hey, maybe this is part of why this movie didn't land for me as hard this time. I did doze off a couple times watching Mulholland Drive for this. <laughs> well, Luke... Luke. A problem. But I've seen this movie so many times, I knew every scene I missed. Yeah, that yeah I, and yet. And yet. Perhaps that's why it was only an 8 and not an 11. Uh, I, I, one of my favorite stories about me is I fell asleep during uh, Dr. Zhivago, which is like this fucking like four hour <laughs> epic. Yeah. Uh, about, you know, like the Russian revolution and the love lost and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I fell asleep during it. And then I woke back up and the movie was still going. And I, I was like a younger kid and my, I was watching, well, you were with, my watching with your parents, right? Yeah. yeah. And to hear them tell it, I apparently went, Oh, it's still going. And then I just like turned back around and went to sleep again. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, when me and Chelsea were so long distance, she came to visit and I worked night shifts at the time. But I needed to flip my sleep schedule while she was in town. Uh, and we went to see Coco uh, in theaters, like the, the Pixar movie. And I fell asleep for about 20 minutes in the middle of it. <laughs> and I was like, mm, well, luckily this is a film for children, so I can immediately grok what I've missed. Yeah, I know everything <laughs> that happened. Don't worry I completely about it. understand the missing time here. Uh, and then, yeah, last question from Max Knightley. Uh, if you could create an elusive target for Hitman, who would it be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man, remember when uh, they had enough money to get fucking, like, uh... Sean Bean. Sean, I'm trying to remember who they did in the first one. It was, they, they like, the It pole. was Gary Busey. There we go, yes. Fuck, and you, it was actual Gary Busey. Yes. It was, like, you, was the target. Right, because they did, like, a... Con- who was the other guy that didn't win? Because it was, like, it was Gary Busey or Gary someone else. Vote which Gary you want to kill in Hitman. Yeah. Um. The the answer I have for you, Gary today, Cole. Who's okay. Gary Cole? He's not a guy that's famous as Gary Busey. That's what. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, the 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 answer I'm going to present to you today uh, is Andy Twin Peaks. <laughs> you want to kill Andy? I'm not saying I want to, but can you imagine the shenanigans? <laughs> yeah, like so, someone who can like you imagine a, a silent film star, basically. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. He's just a goof of a man. Uh, yeah, he, that's good. That's good. He is a goof of a man. That's true. Um, <laughs> I reach into my mind and say, "Okay, think about a guy that'd be fun to kill in Hitman," and like I pulled the crank on my brains, like. Uh, like vending machine and a yep. little capsule popped out and I opened it up and said okay what do you got for my brain and what it said is Kirby <laughs> <laughs> no that's way worse than what I said you absolute bastard also I don't think guns can kill Kirby nothing can that's kill true. Kirby nothing can kill Kirby how do you strangle Kirby with a Garrett he's got no how fucking you, neck how do you kill friendship himself <laughs> every shape he takes is friend shape how can you poison him? He can eat anything. He, can, he I, ate a yeah. truck. 
He eats I, like elder well, he gods. <laughs> you need to kill a Walt Disney like guy at the opening oh, yeah. of his theme park. Yep, yeah, that's that's oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be a good hitman map. Fuck, dude, theme park hitman level? Jesus Christ. Yeah, that'd be real good. That's been my dream. That's that's the dream for me. Yeah. I mean, the racetrack, I guess, is kind of close. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the closest they've gotten to that idea. Yeah. yeah. And that level's pretty good. It is that's pretty good. That's a good level. All the levels are pretty good. Yeah. yeah even the it's ones really I just don't Colorado, like are still kind pretty of good. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hitman, yeah. a pretty good... Hey, there's more pretty good Hitman coming out next week. That's true. I, I, I think I just uninstalled it, too. I'm so stupid. You fucking fool. It's so big. Wait, let me check. Let me check Epic Game Store if it ever loads. It never loads. I'm waiting with bated breath. Yeah, I'm waiting for it. It just takes so long. I don't understand what's up with the Epic Game Store. Garbage fucking program. The thing about Hitman Gary Busey is he does not look like Gary Busey. No. No? I thought you said they got real Gary Busey. I mean, they they did. They claim he to. voices himself, but yeah. Well, that like, doesn't count. That's not enough for me. I know I definitely uninstalled both Borderlands games I had installed. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. He's got a weird oh, head no, shape. Got but... it, baby. We ah. got Hitman. Hell yeah. I mean, he, you know, he kind of looks like Gary Busey. Are you sure? You know. He looks as much like Gary Busey as uh, Justin Thoreau looks like. Uh, Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville. Sure? Yeah, couldn't pull his name. I failed at the... I got right up to the finish line and then just sat down. No, this isn't Gary Busey. This isn't Gary Busey. It's not Gary Busey. Does not look like Gary Busey one bit. No, not really. He looks like Cody Rhodes more than he looks like Gary Busey. (laughs) Oh, man. Kill a wrestler. Yeah. (laughs) No, you can't. I think that's just a little bit taboo. I mean, yeah, but what if you could just do the Jeff Hardy, uh, like, firework explosion? (laughs) That's true. Anyway. Anyway, can we stop podcasting now? We can stop podcasting. All right. I'm Ashley, you're a librarian. Molly. <laughs> Luke, where can we find you on tw- on, on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at <laughs> SSJ Speed Racer. Find other shows I do on AudioEntropy.com, such as Eidolon Playtest. Uh, it's a yep. podcast. When you, when you hear this, the last episode of Giants will be up on the Patreon. That's true. And then true. you get to listen to Thieves. That is true. We're recording Thieves right now. It's It's got an energy. It's a lot. It's a lot. We're, we're bringing a lot to this. Yep. Uh, Ashley, do you want to plug anything else? Patreon.com slash Ashley Lee Minor. Give Ashley your fucking, fucking money. Well, you got anything? Never too tired to do that. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> your friend Molly on Twitter, also <laughs> on co-host, also on Letterboxd, if you want that, where yeah. I rate one movie a month. Listen to Journal Updated. Listen to Journal Updated. I have to play Dragon Age Inquisition. I'm almost done. I can be done anytime I feel like it, and yet I keep not finishing the game. So Damn. Say what you will about it, but I'm playing it. All right. Next week, enough fucking around. Can I watch Twin Peaks yet? We are going to watch Twin Peaks Season 3, a.k.a. Twin Peaks The Return, a.k.a. Twin Peaks The Limited Event Series. That's okay. Limited Series Event, I don't remember which. I thought we were going to discuss this later, but yeah, sure. Oh, wait, I thought we already decided. I thought not, but okay. Oh, I thought we already... I thought we had. I thought we had, too.
I forgot then, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway, we're going to be watching uh, Twin Peaks episode 31, a.k.a. Twin Peaks episode 30, a.k.a. Twin Peaks season 3 episode 1, a.k.a. Twin Peaks The Return part 1, a.k.a. My log has a message for you. Luke, I'm going to fucking choke you to death. <laughs> Actually, we can do your thing if we want to do your thing. <laughs> we can do that. We can watch a true story. You sound pretty sad about it. I we will watch not all these fake you. stories. We can watch a true one. No, I I was just kind of like, oh, I guess we'll talk about this later. And then I was like, oh wait, did we tell? Like I've totally. F- I'm. It also did tired. happen in the group DM. It, yeah, we, we did say that, and you were like, yeah, and then, but it's fine. We'll do either. One or the other is going to happen next we'll week. We'll either do what I said or watch true stories. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm stopping this podcast now. Ashley, say the thing. Uh, until next time. Yeah, that's the podcast. And I'm afraid you did bad. <laughs> oh, beans. Oh. <laughs> beans. I love beans. I'm a cowboy. <laughs> Yeehaw. <laughs>